Welcome to a night of total terror. Hello and welcome to episode 25 of the Undead Wookiee podcast. I am your host, Hugh Lloyd. The Undead Wookiee is a fortnightly-ish podcast focusing on horror, sci-fi, but there will be times where we dip into other genres because here at the Undead Wookiee, our nerdiness knows no bounds. Hello and welcome back. Uh, as you can probably tell, I've got a stinking cold as of the time we're recording this. Um, this episode, we're going to be looking at Carrie from 1976. Now, I'm joined by two very, very special guests. But before I introduce them, let's check out the trailer. It's the night of the senior prom. The Bates High School gym is alive with excitement. Everybody is there, even Carrie White, the girl no one likes. Oh, sorry about this incident, Cassie. It's Carrie! And everyone makes fun of her. The girl who lives in that creepy house with her crazy mother. see the sin of her days and ways. Show her that if she had remained sinless, the curse of blood would never have come on her. The girl with the strange power. If I concentrate hard enough, I can move things. But tonight, no one will laugh at Carrie. If you don't have a date for the prom next Friday, would you like to go with me? She's with the best-looking boy in the senior class. He's trying to trick me again. She'll be voted queen of the prom. You know, I can make sure that you don't hurt Carrie White anymore. For Carrie, it will be a dream come true. For everyone else, it will be a nightmare. (coughs) Carrie. (coughs) A new film by Brian De Palma. Based on the chilling bestseller. Starring Sissy Spacek, Piper Laurie, and introducing John Travolta in his first motion picture role. If you have a taste for terror, you have a date with Carrie. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen. It is time for me to introduce my very, very special guests. Um, I think we could. Have, I think it's fair to say that uh, on this episode, it's a, uh, it's an Aussie takeover. Um, so, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, I give you my first guest. We are talking podcasting royalty here. We are talking none other than Miss Gidget von Larue. How are you? G'day, mate. How you doing? <laughs> I'm all right. I'm a bit groggy, but I'm fine. I'm absolutely brilliant. <laughs> Thank you for so much for being on. I'm really excited to have you on, yeah. Oh, it's an absolute honor. I love your podcast. I think it's absolutely fantastic, and I've, I've been really excited to be a guest. So thank you for having me on, Hugh. Oh, no, honestly, it's, 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 the pleasure is all mine. I really, really appreciate it. Really, really appreciate oh, it. Oh, shucks. Now, 
I come to my second guest. He thought he had escaped last time, like many of our guests. They, they, they make it to the fence, but somehow we pulled them back in. I give you none other than Mr. Schlock Horror himself. It's Paul. How are you doing, Paul? I'm doing great, guys. How are you guys? Yeah, I'm all good. All good. All good. Well, that wasn't that wasn't a very Aussie um that wasn't a very Aussie thing of me, was it? <laughs> no, no, we'll have to get you out of Australia, Paul. Think, You've got I to think, always um, say good day. I think Gidget's a bit more Aussie. Hey guys. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get sent to some sort of Aussie reprogramming camp now. These sort of uh, endless loops. Yeah, of, I think so. Uh, endless loop, loops of sort of I don't know Aussie culture and uh, Foster's Lager and rugby league and hats with corks and any other Australian cliche that I can think of. Um, uh, shrimp on the barbie, yeah. which we don't call them shrimps. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know where that came barbie. from. We've never called prawns shrimps. They're prawns. So yeah. Anyway. Well, yeah, it makes it's sense. An American thing. It's like being in mm. Wales. Everybody automatically assumes that you own sheep. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's that's my uh, that's my um Kiwi side. Oh, <laughs> well, you know. I think I think the other thing about Wales is everyone thinks you can all sing. Well, yes, everybody does automatically assume that you can sing. Or there are lots of people who think they can sing, and then you you hear them and you think, please stop, please, please stop. <laughs> yes. Oh, <yeah>. So. <laughs> And after a few drinks, nobody cares. So um, that's it. It is really the land of song, whether it should be or not. <laughs> You've got a lovely accent. I think it's lovely. That's probably part of the reason why I enjoy, really enjoy listening to your podcast. It's just your lovely voice, Hugh. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. I've, uh, I've got. I've, to be honest, it's really, it's, it's really funny. Whenever I record with Leighton, um, the pair of us sort of revert to being eleven-year-olds um, from deepest, darkest South Wales valleys. Um, and there are times where nobody can hear or w- understand a word that we're saying because we're going at about 400 miles an hour um, and <laughs> uh, we're throwing in references because I've known Leighton all my life and um, he really is my brother from another mother. <laughs> and uh, we'll bring up things that nobody else has a clue what we're talking about, um, which is always... <laughs> which is always interesting when you oh, play it back. That's charming, I think. I think that's lovely, and it's and you can feel the connection between the two of you. So, you know, you get a really good vibe from it. Yeah, no, honestly. And he's, he's as big a nerd as I am, so um, that always helps. Oh, that helps, and I'm a, I'm a mega nerd too, so, yeah, welcome to the club. We're taking over the world. We're taking over the world slowly. Yep. Now, we are <laughs> talking, first of all, we're going to look at three films. Um, and our so our main feature review, I suppose, um, is Carrie from 1976. But before we dive into that, um, uh, Gidget, where can our, and we'll come back to this right at the end of the show. Where can our good listeners find you? Okay, well, myself, Gidget Von Larue, and my—he's uh, not my partner, but he's my partner in podcasting, <laughs> Angry Man. We do the retro cinema podcast. We talk about '80s movies we watched then because we're both old, uh, <laughs> so we were teenagers in the '80s. So we only do '80s movies that we loved back then and that we still love now. So uh, we can be found, obviously, you can go directly to the Retro Cinema and listen to it directly from there online. Uh, We're also on iTunes, Stitcher, and if on go, use the iTunes app on your phone or tablet. Hmm. Mm, Fantastic. And, of course, over to you, sir. 
Paul, Mr. Schlock Horror, um, where can the good people find you? Yeah, you can just find me on Twitter at Schlock Horror, or you can just go to my um, blog where I just review horror movies at www.schlockhorror.com. Fantastic. Fantastic. I got to say, Paul, I absolutely love the blog. Uh, and the same for you. I love Retro Cinema. Um, your Lady Hawk episode was absolutely brilliant. Loved it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, looking at, um, I was just reading your um, uh, review for Red. Is it Red Christmas you reviewed last, Paul? Yeah, yeah, correct. The one with Dee Wallace, which was surprisingly an Australian film. Yeah, um, now I have that on my watch list. Is it, you know, the question is, is it worth watching? Yes, uh, I recommend it. It's a pretty nasty little um, Australian slasher setting uh, set at Christmas, and the gore is top notch. Right. See, now that in itself, for most people, for most horror fans, the gore is top notch. That's always a good sign. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, lo- I love your 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 blog, Paul. I think it's it's you you really you can tell that you're so passionate about what you write about, and I think it's easy for people to hop on the bandwagon and just sort of you know. But you're you're really enthusiastic, and you know your your write ups are fantastic, really. Uh, thanks, guys. Thanks. No, honestly, um, I'm a little like I'm a little bit behind at the moment, like four months behind. So I'm a little bit um. A little bit, yeah, uh, angry at myself for letting it get that far back, but I'm going to try and catch up soon. There's just so much to watch and do at the moment, though. Oh, I mean, look. Plus, life, life gets in the way, doesn't it? It does. It does indeed. Yeah, it really does. Uh, and, like, the day job as well ruins things. So, um, <laughs> you know, don't be so hard on yourself, man, because, honestly, your blog is absolutely first class. We talked about oh, it on the awesome. last episode. Thanks, and like I said, there are lots of so-called professional writers out there and half of them are nowhere near as engaging as your writing, pal. So, uh, Oh, man, thank you. Thank they, you. Uh, like I said, so <laughs> guys, when you're listening, it's a bit of a love-in today, isn't it? It's all a bit of a love-in. It is. But it's good. Yeah. It's good. First thing in the Well, I, I suppose it's sort of early evening for you guys, sort of first thing in the morning. Yeah, early day. evening. Yeah, it, you know. Yeah, hey, so, so, Sunday love. night about... Seven o'clock at night. Yeah. Right, spread the love, guys. We live, in, we the live in the we live in the future in Australia. W- true. Yes, you are. Mm. Wow. Oh, okay. I'm trying not to think about that too much, otherwise my head may explode, because it's it's <laughs> it, 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 it's ten past eight in the morning here. So <laughs> we, we can actually tell you how your day's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got a funny feeling I was going to go as well. Um, okay, <laughs> Carrie. 1976. This, um, I mean, I think it's fair to say that it's um, it's a seminal film within horror. Um, it is the you know it's the first Stephen King adaptation, um, and if we think about the recent most the more recent adaptations now and the success of it, which has gone on, I can't believe that it's, it is the most successful horror film of all time. Um, blows, blows my mind because I actually yeah, haven't uh, seen I haven't seen the the remake. Um, I have watched Gerald's Game, which I really loved until the end. Um, but that was excellent. You know, I'm, I'm a big Stephen King fan. I've read a couple of his books. I'm a bit of a lazy reader. Um, I am more a visual person. Uh, this this movie I remember seeing it when it was uh, released on Beta. I think it was or VHS. Oh, Beta um, Max, get in there. 
Yeah. Showing your age yeah. there. <laughs> uh, I'll show my age. I was six when this movie came out. So, um, Actually, the first horror movie I got taken to was Poltergeist, and my grandmother took me to it thinking that it was a children's movie because of the clown. <laughs> oh. oh, God. <laughs> yeah, messed me up big we time. I've still, got a, I've still got a thing about under the bed and trees and anyway. Um, yeah, but this this movie, re-watching it again, I have to say, because we're obviously doing two other movies, yeah. didn't scare me as much as the uh, one of the other movies that we're doing in this no, podcast. No, it didn't. Apart, no. apart from that bit right at the end with the hand coming up, that always gives you a bit of a ah! Yeah. Even though you know it's coming. Yeah, well, yeah. that is, you know, and I'm, we'll come on to that. I mean, that, again, uh, that's a, you know, that's an incredible moment um, in cinema. Um, and have you guys read the book? Paul, have you read the book? No, I've never read the book, sadly. So I can't really compare it to the movies. Yeah, we'll, we'll come on to that in a bit because there are subtle differences um, and some not-so-subtle differences as well between the two. Um, but, I mean, of course, this is directed by uh, Brian De Palma. Uh, it was produced by Paul Monash. Uh, it was uh, adapted uh, a screenplay, obviously, from Stephen King's novel by Lawrence D. Cohen. Um, it stars Sissy Spacek, uh, John Travolta, Piper Laurie. Um, uh, PJ Souls also pops up in this, which I totally forgotten about that she appears in this. Yeah, exactly. And and it's it's interesting actually because uh, you know Piper Laurie ha- hadn't worked for a while. Um, she was fantastic in this. She really was haunting, but she always considered it to be sort of more a black comedy because she thought her lines were so over the top that they were actually to the point of ridiculous. So <laughs> she still to this day supposedly claims that, you know, she considers this movie a black comedy. So that's quite amusing. It is. It's, it, it's it, you know, and, and she is terrifying. She is really, really terrifying. Um, yeah, and you insane. know there's people like that too, don't you? Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> God, I was going to say, in saying that, in saying that though, you can sort of, I think when I was watching it again today, I think you can actually sense that she is really over the top mm. in some of the uh, in some of the parts. So I think maybe, like when I've watched it and saw her being so over the top, I think that might have been her. Obviously, as you've said, Gidge, uh, that. It, she took it as a black comedy because there are there are scenes there where she is so over the top in the role, but I do think she was fantastic and she does deserve that Academy Award nomination oh, for yeah, it. Oh yeah, completely, completely. Now, uh, yeah, and Sissy got one too, didn't she? She did, yes, yeah, she did, she did. Yeah. She did. Mm. Now we also have Amy Irvin uh, in here as playing at Sue Snell, uh, William Cat as Tommy Ross, Nancy Robocop Allen makes an appearance. In yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she, and again, she's really, really good in this. She is really, really good in this. Um, and then you've got Betty well, Buckley. She, she and John, she and John Travolta actually played it uh, to the point of they thought they'd be looked on as more goofy than yeah, evil. Yeah. She didn't, she, she didn't really realise she'd come off as a really nasty girl. Um, but yeah, she did, and just. A, just a bit of trivia, which is what we do in our retro cinema podcast. <laughs> um, Brian De Palma actually wanted Betty Buckley to really slap Nancy Allen. Um, and because uh, Allen wasn't giving the reaction De Palma wanted, Buckley actually ended up really slapping her Ooh. across yeah. the face. So when you see that scene, yeah, that's that's all real. <laughs> well, in the book, what's really interesting, uh, and I know we're sort of jumping, we're jumping all over the place, but, you know, folks, listeners, Tough shit, keep up. Um, we, uh, 
the character, you know, uh, Travolta's character and, uh, and uh, Nancy Allen, the characters of uh, Billy and Chris, in the book, they are pure evil. They are so, so evil. And so, and particularly Travolta's character of Billy is, he is so vile and just mean-spirited. And you just, um, he's really almost sadistic. Um, yeah. And, and they're really, they're, they're just bullies, but really... Nope. Oh, hello. Um, Hang on, sorry, you went all a little bit uh, Mr. Roboto then. <laughs> well, uh, I did. Yeah. Uh, oh, or was that you, Paul? Yeah, I heard it as well. <laughs> no, so, I wasn't even talking, I was listening, so I don't think it was me. <laughs> right, let's try that one again. Uh, Billy uh, and Christy, you were saying they were, you know, about them being so evil, um, and... Uh, basically about you know just, just the fact that they were a pair of right bastards in the, uh, in the book but they were a little bit goofy in the film yeah exactly and and at the beginning of the movie obviously when Carrie um, gets her periods we can say that yeah uh, she doesn't know what they are they're all pretty mean even the Amy Irving character but she sort of realizes her own you know, behaviour and acknowledges it whereas yeah Nancy Allen and the John Travolta character are just but just nasty bullies obviously all the way through yeah mm. yeah and I mean I I actually think she oh sorry guys no, go, I, go, I was go, just going to say I actually think she out she outshines him she's much more evil than um he is in the um, movie yeah like yeah. I think I think he's actually tame compared to how evil she is uh, in the like I just as I said before to you guys as well I'd watch the remake just straight afterwards yeah. which is absolutely terrible. But um, I <laughs> you found brave man. that. <laughs> yeah. Oh god, it was horrible. It was horrible. Um, I found him more evil in the remake than what he was in the original. Yeah. Uh, like the character of Billy Nolan, he's much more evil in the remake than actually John Travolta. I think John Travolta comes off nice compared to everyone else. Well, he just comes across well, a bit dim, doesn't he? Yes. He just he's got just a dumb jock. Yeah. 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 All that you know, that sort of. I'll, I'll trust your word on that, Paul, because I'm not. I really don't want to watch the remake. Um, <laughs> don't, um, don't waste your time. Exactly, that's it. And I didn't watch the remake of Wreck, and I didn't watch the remake of Let the Right One In. Um, yeah, um, I'm. I, I I've got to say though, the one for Let the Right One In is fantastic. The remake, you should give it a go one good. day. It is very very good. Oh, okay. It's brilliant. Yeah. Well, I might, I might check it out. Look, I'm not yeah, completely yeah. against remakes because when you think about it, The Fly is a remake. The yeah. Thing yeah. Is, a, is a remake. Yeah. And they're both, you know, we've podcasted both those movies. They're, they're our, one of our favourite 80s movies of all time. The Thing's a masterpiece, I think. Um, but, yeah, there's, um, I'm just more worried now about remakes, especially with classics yeah. like this I mean, particular movie. I know we went through that phase where everything seemed to be being remade, and they're still they're still kind of doing it. But out of the remakes um, out there, I've got to say that you know, let the right one in is superb. It is absolutely brilliant. Um, I really, really enjoyed the remake of The Hills of Ice. I thought that was oh, oh yes, too. that was good. I yep. thought that was excellent. Yeah, I saw. I, I, I was sat in the cinema watching that, and I was genuinely frightened. Um, the intensity and the ferocity in that is just it, it is superb. Um, but it's I, only, it's, yeah, go on. Oh, sorry. No, go, Paul. Oh, no, I was just going to say with the I was going to say with the Hills Have Eyes remake, it's one of only two movies to ever actually make me feel queasy in a cinema. Um, you know the scene where um, the mother gets shot in front of her baby. Yes. Head, right in front of the baby. 
that made me actually queasy. Like that's one of the only movies. The other movie was The Devil's Rejects. Oh, ah, yes. Yeah. Although I actually preferred The House of a Thousand Corpses. I actually found that so, yeah. Well, because it was just so... Oh, repulsive! And when they turned the guy into the merman, and (laughs) but but I agree with the hills have eyes. And I think the other thing is with both the original and the remake is you you there's different types of horror movies, and that's the sort of horror movie. It's not ghosts, it's not demons or anything. These are these are inbred people that probably do exist, and this could happen to to you. And it's that reality thing as well you're like oh god what what would i do in that situation whereas you know i, I don't believe in ghosts and all that although i still get scared by the movies so <laughs> um i mean but yeah reality-based horror films can really sort of frighten you and i mean to, to me <laughs> i'm going to mention a movie then now before i mention it i'm going to say this is a movie that once you see it you cannot unsee it so i'm not <laughs> recommending i'm not recommending anyone to see it okay i'm just going to say that a Serbian film. I think once you've oh. seen that, it's it's really hard to be grossed out by anything else. <laughs> um, I, is, it, is it bad that I've seen that twice? <laughs> Holy shit, Paul, you are hardcore. Well, I've, I've been I tempted sh- to see it I again. I showed one of my partners. I showed one of my partners that movie, and he was just like, "What is wrong with you?" <laughs> oh my god! You actually, you actually you actually feel dirty after seeing it. You feel like you exactly. should be arrested or something. Yeah, yeah. I I I I owned it. Uh, for a very, very long time. Um, and I never, ever uh, plucked up the courage to watch it. I just could not do it. The other one, uh, very, very similar, is Irreversible, even though it's not a horror, but it is one of those films. Um, oh, that, that scene, the scene in the tunnel. Oh, my God. I'm, but you, uh, you, but yeah. you watch that film. I love film. that movie, though. Oh, it's, it is an amazing film, and it is, it is, it, it's incredible. But could you? I could not, hand on heart, turn around to anybody and say, do you know what's a really good film you'd really enjoy sitting down and watching? It's irreversible. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. Get the family round. It's great. <laughs> uh, get the kids. It, it's fabulous, <laughs> honestly. Um, yeah, they will be absolutely... That's like, that's like Martyrs as oh, well. Oh, God, like, Martyrs. I, I... Jesus. That is... Yeah. However... All these movies you're mentioning, I've enjoyed. <laughs> I wouldn't say enjoyed, actually. Exactly. It's more like you, ex- you appreciate them as good movies. <laughs> yes. Like, I can appreciate the Serbian film. The acting is superb. The direction is wonderful. It's beautifully filmed. It, it's just, it's one of those movies that once you see a couple of those things, you, you just can't get them out of your mind. You no, know? no. The minute you say to anybody, and you, you know instantly if they've seen a Serbian film or not, you just go, newborn porn. Oh, yes. Yes. No. Oh, God. Oh, oh. <laughs> anyway, um, Carrie. Um, <laughs> now the... I should say, actually, this is, this is interesting. Martin Scorsese loved this film so much, he actually went three times to the cinema and saw it. Carrie. That's, you know, I mean, as a film, um, and it, obviously I find Brian De Palma as a director, I find him a little bit hit and miss. Um, Definitely. I mean, he can do something, you know, he, he can produce... Carrie, which is, you know, it, again, is, is brilliantly shot. It is a re, it, it, it's a great, it's a great, it's a great film all all, all round. Um, you know, it, you can do something like Phantom of the Paradise, which is oh, I love that movie. It's 
so I, you know, I think if anybody has not seen Phantom of the Paradise, they need to go and see. Just, just sit down and watch because it, it is just brilliant. And the soundtrack. I'm thinking is of the superb. songs in my head while you're talking to me. I'm actually playing the some of the music in my head because, of course, it was the music was done by the fantastic Paul Williams. Yes. And if you're not familiar, people are not familiar with him. He wrote the Rainbow Connection for the Muppet movie. He's done a <laughs> lot, a lot of very famous songs, but he's actually in this movie. He he plays. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I can't remember the, the head guy. I can't remember his character's name. Oh. Um, um. Oh God. Um, yeah, what? I passed it on. Sorry. If there was only <laughs> some way that we could look it up, um, <laughs> <laughs> something you know, uh, just that, that just you know has an entire you know a knowledge base. Um, uh, I, I Swan, know. Wouldn't Swan, be so happy? Swan. I'm just going to get my encyclopedias. <laughs> Paul Williams plays Swan. He plays Swan. I didn't Swan. even have to look it up. Swan. I didn't have to look it up. <laughs> but I mean. De Palma, you look at his, you, you look at his face. Right, he, he gave us Scarface. He gave us Untouchables. Um, you know, mis- the first Mission Impossible movie, Carlito's Way. Podcasted both of those. Scarf- Untouchables. I was amazed that we did it in one podcast, but Scarface we actually did in two podcasts because it's such an awesomely huge yeah movie. Yeah. And Untouchables is too. Um, but with Scarface, it's one of my all-time favourites. Well, well, they all are actually. Um, it's just the, the, seeped the, into the lexicon of, of pop culture, though, wasn't it, Scarface? You know? Oh, it so has. You just, you know, everyone knows, say hello to my little friend. Yeah. You just say that and everyone goes, oh, Scarface. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, he made Raising Cain, which I think is very, very underrated. And John Lithgow is fucking terrifying in that film. Um, I still need to see that. Have you seen it? Oh, God. It's, it, it's well worth it. It's well worth it. And then he made Snake Eyes and Mission to Mars. Ooh. He did a Shamalama Ding Dong, didn't he? Yeah. Oh God. Oh, oh, oh j- j- just you know. And the defence rests, my lord. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, because he has got you know, and even like films like Body Double and those type of things, you know, they all have. And he gets absolutely slammed for those Hitchcock moments that he has to put in uh, to all of his movies. Now, I, I think it's paying homage. I know the whole thing with you know Tarantino as well, and. Um, I, I've got no objection to that. It's not. I don't think it's copying. I think it's a homage to a director that they really greatly admired. He obviously greatly admired Hitchcock, and I love Body Double. That's a fantastic film. Doesn't um, I was going to say? Doesn't Quentin Tarantino um, homage um, Brian De Palma in Kill Bill? Yes, where he does like the splits, where he does the split screen where um, Daryl Hannah's walking into the hospital, whistling yeah. the yeah. tune. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I thought that. Was, I thought that was a homage to him. I mean. Yeah, yeah, that's it. It's a gr- and again, um, you know, I think when you do get these, the, you know, the, uh, the directors who bring their influences from all over the place, um, it can either be they can either absolutely capture the moment perfectly, or they can totally annihilate it, or it can be completely off. Um, and I think you know, De Palma um, in this is very much on his game, and. Um, it was interesting because we were sat and watching, uh, watching this with my wife, um, and watching that opening scene um, with the you know the shower scene, and it's 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 incredibly shot, and you do get the feeling, particularly given the age of the girls, and obviously you know being a teacher as well, and being a child protection officer as well. There's there's that moment going, I don't know about this. This is all a bit creepy, but it yeah. has, but it's 
very, very well shot. Lingering. Yes, uh, yes, it is very lingering. Um, and it, but it has this complete dream quality to it, um, and it's very floaty and very airy. And then, obviously, we get to the the famous plug it up scene. Um, yes, oh, that is that is terrible. That scene, just horrible. And it just well, it, sort of, it sort of makes you think. You you like to think that if if something like that happened to you, that not everyone would just. It's just like it's like a group mentality. You know, someone's being a bully and so everyone feels that they've all got to do the sort of same thing and it's that picking on her without anyone sort of stepping in and going, hang on, apart from the teacher, yeah. Betty Buckley, um, everyone, you know, says, you hope that someone would have the humanity. Like I know if I was there, I'd be like, oi, the whole lot of you, back off, back yeah. away from her right now. Like I always stood up for kids in school and you like to think that, but there is that group. The, mentality. It is the pack mentality, and you know, um, working in uh, secondary school. So that's like you, you guys have high schools, don't you? Um, yes, correct. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, so I work in in the equivalent, of the, and you do see the pack mentality where the where they just sort of round on somebody, um, and that the sort of the the contrast between the floaty, airy sort of. Um, um, almost sort of uh, pornographic type sort of feel to that opening scene, and then it, it comes crashing down um, where they you know they're pelting over the tampons and her, Sissy SpaceX reaction in that scene is super, is just outstanding and it's very 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 real. It's it really is real. and and interesting. I think there was they auditioned a few actresses for the role i know that one actress in particular didn't want to do it because they had to get naked in that scene but linda blair also auditioned for the role of carrie and also farrah fawcett auditioned for the role of carrie but i think they went with the perfect actress um and we should actually say this is amy irving's feature film wow mm. just... and steven spielberg came down to the set quite a lot because he was very good friends with brian de palma uh, yeah. he came down for the lots of single women aspect and he went out with Amy Irving and they ended up getting married. Do you know what? I did not even put that connection together. I didn't even, yeah, I, I didn't, didn't even completely pass me by completely pass me by. Now I'm a trivia box. <laughs> I, I salute your knowledge. <laughs> um, is, you know, but that scene um, is just, you know, and, and obviously not to linger too much, but, Sissy Spacek, um, De Palma knew her from Phantom of the Paradise because her husband, um, I, th- I don't know whether they're still together or not now, um, was uh, one of the set dressers or set designers on um, Phantom of the Paradise. And Sissy Spacek was on set um, helping out. Um, and De Palma, yeah. originally, he didn't particularly want her for the role. Um, because when you look at Sissy Spacek and then you, when you read the book, um, the difference in the two characters is mark is, is quite remarkable in the book. Um, she's, she's really quite plain, isn't she? In the yeah, book I heard she's and she's quite um, chubby and she's has yeah, a lot of acne, bad skin. Um, yeah. And she sort of, it's, it's quite a sort of. Uh, it's almost like night and day when you with the, the, comparing the two characters, um, but in all honesty, could you, either of you see any other actress play in this part? No, no, no. 
I don't think so. Mm. And when you mentioned Farrah Fawcett before, just no. <laughs> no, not at all. She was, she was big in the Charlie's Angels days, and she did actually make some... Way too, pr- way too pretty. Way too oh, pretty. Oh, yeah, way to too pretty, play, yeah. yeah and way it's too like... old. <laughs> yes, so, although this is, inter- this is interesting. Betty Buckley was 28 at the time of filming. <laughs> she was only two years older than Sissy Spacek and three years older than Nancy Allen and PJ Souls, who played her students. Well, this, oh, wow. this is the other thing as well. Um, Betty Buckley, as the uh, as the as the coach, Miss um, Collins, Col- is quite possibly yeah. the worst teacher in the world ever. Um, and if she was teaching <laughs> right now, she would not be. She'd be sacked. She would be sacked in a why, heartbeat. Why though? What? Why though? That's what I want to know. Because I thought I thought right up until she obviously starts laughing when the um, pig's blood is spilt. I actually really cared for her character right up until that point. So I thought she was doing a really good job, obviously not slapping a student. Well, or... there's the slapping of the student. <laughs> um, that one, Which I thought was great. <laughs> Look, we've all had those moments. We've all thought about it. <laughs> we've all had <laughs> be, that moment. To be, to be fair... To be fair, though, I was in primary school in the 80s and I got dragged out the front of my teacher and whipped around the legs with a ruler. Oh, harsh. So, so there, there was none of the regulations and rules in schools now that there were back then. Teachers could hit the kids if they were misbehaving. Yeah, I, I, you know, went, so I went to an all-boys school. <laughs> I, I, I went... Uh, at high school, I went to an all-girls school, but yeah, this was back in um, what we call primary school, so that was when I was, you know, younger. And yeah, I got um, punished quite a few times, so I wasn't the best-behaved child. <laughs> I can't um, imagine that. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I did, I didn't find that. Like, first of all, she, her character's a coach. She's not a proper teacher. No disrespect to coaches, but she's not a, you know, an English coach um and second of all uh, what you said paul my take on it at the end of the movie is she wasn't laughing and a lot of people weren't because a lot of people clapped when carrie won the yeah carrie saw things she was raging and she she thought everybody was laughing and that's why she burnt the whole place down but in reality i don't that, yeah. yeah, that's my take on it, is that actually it's all in Carrie's head. It's oh, all yes. in Carrie's See, head. I, I, took it, I took it as they'd, uh, she actually just had laughed at her. She'd um, kind of gone against everything she'd done and protected her. And then kind of um, that's why Carrie went and done it. Because in the remake, um, Miss Collins, or I don't even think she's Miss Collins in the remake. I think her, she's got another name. She actually saves her life in the remake. So she doesn't laugh. She uh, is horrified by what happens to her, and she actually like keeps her alive in the remake. She doesn't kill yeah. her like she does in the um, original. Mm. Actually, I, I thinking about you know because obviously you recently what well, I haven't I, I purposely decided that I wasn't going to watch the remake um, because I couldn't cope with Chloe Grace Moretz gurning at me for the best part of like an hour and 30. Um, She's terrible. She's uh, terrible in that movie. Like I I actually enjoy her. So do I. I really actually enjoy her as an actress, but in, she is just so wrong for that role. And I'm really excited to see this. Good actors. Yeah. Good good actors can be in some real trash. Like I just recently watched uh, the new, 
Ben Affleck movie with Sienna Miller and all that, and it's just dreadful on every level. It's just stupid and dreadful, and yet he can be in like the town, and he's fantastic. Oh, the and, town you know, is such Mark, a good film. Mark Wahlberg, Mark Wahlberg's the ultimate. Mark Wahlberg really <laughs> needs a good director because you know you 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 look at some of the great roles that he's been in, and then you look at the happening and stuff, like, and you're just like, oh, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the happening. The is happening. Oh, oh. oh God! Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> how? It's the plans. <laughs> how did anybody sat around the table going, "That's a brilliant idea"? What a great! But film. do you know what? With with the happening, I think the idea behind it is quite intriguing like i actually thought when i first read about it when it was coming out and you saw the trailer i thought it was going to be this like really really impressive horror movie but obviously it wasn't it turned into like a the unintentional comedy of the year but um but um i actually thought the opening scene where everyone starts committing suicide and everything i thought that was solid it's just it goes off the rails and then is a clusterfuck. Yeah, yeah. No, I. Yeah, I'm not a massive. Fan. I love that word, clusterfuck. I know it, 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 it's the twelve. It's the eleven-year-old in me that still giggles every time I hear the word clusterfuck. It still makes me laugh. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I still laugh when people say poo. So you know, and I'm 46. So <laughs> I've never grown up. That's what happens when you don't have kids? You don't grow up. Uh, well, I tell you what. The, if you ever ever want an advocate for uh, birth control become a teacher that will sort <laughs> that out for life honestly i love i love my job i love the kids i work with but fuck me i'm so glad i get to send them home at the end of the day <laughs> yeah yeah and especially as i said especially these days because you can't you've got no power anymore and and kids you know when i went to school you respected all your teachers you didn't talk back you didn't you know give them lip or anything like that but now you know my my partner colonel kickhead he actually was doing it at a high school for a while and yeah. he said you know the kids had threatened the headmaster they threatened the teachers tell the teachers to fuck off and you know it, it, and it just blows my I mind and the teachers can't do anything I think it's just with how kids are raised these days, to be honest. Like, um, obviously, I've been out of school now for, what, 12, 13, 14 years or something like that. Yeah. And in my school, people were, like, kids were just horrible. Teachers had no control. I've, As you said before, when you were talking about, like, um, Miss Collins slapping the student, I've seen a teacher, like, grab a kid by the hair and throw <laughs> them to the floor. Oh, my God. Like, uh, that's... I mean, that's, that's, and we didn't, we didn't obviously, we didn't have the cane or anything like that, like because I was a bit, uh, maybe a bit too young for that. I think that's back in my dad's kind of sort of thing. Like he's when he was going to school, you could get the cane. But yeah, we we saw things like that. I saw a teacher, like one of our teachers, this to the high school that I went to, lost her child because someone threw a table Jesus. at her stomach when she was pregnant. So like, <gasps> did did yeah. you guys go to like Newcomb High? Because. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! I mean, <laughs> oh, it's it was it was horrible. Like oh that's why I would never be a teacher. I would never want to go back and experience it from no. any side. I, I mean, was I, I had dusters. Remember, it was the blackboard. You know, the, I, 
don't know what they've got now, but and they had the blackboard. And then if you spoke in class, the teacher, one teacher I had, not the one that gave me the ruler, but the other, another teacher would just hurl around and just throw the duster at your head. I've had a duster <laughs> bounced off my head. Yes. The, 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 what they call the good old days in teaching. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You, you haven't lived until you've had a duster bounce off oh, your no, head. Oh, no, no. Now, here's the other thing. Okay. Now, Obviously, Carrie is a seminal classic. We've had the remake as well. Have any of you seen the sequel, The Rage? Carrie 2, The Rage. Can I, can I omit something? Come on, then. I actually, I actually quite enjoy that. Because <laughs> listen, listen, let me, let, me, let, me, um, let me just say. So I was a teenager like when that came out. I think I was just coming into high school. Yeah. And it was it was kind of big here in Australia, I think, if I recall correctly. Like it went to the cinemas, people were talking about it kind of thing. I don't think it got any good reviews. But being being a young like like I must have been in year seven or year eight when that came out. Yeah. And I watched it because I was working in a video store at that time. So I had watched it and I actually really enjoyed it because I hadn't seen the original. Yeah. So oh, okay. I, I I hadn't I hadn't had the chance to see the original. So like I hadn't any basis of what the original was like. Obviously watching it now and seeing it now I can understand it why it's a masterpiece and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, seeing the uh, the second one first, I kind of really got attached to it, just like I did with Urban Legend and Scream and Valentine. Yeah. And yeah. all those like, you know, nineties, early two thousand slashes, because I grew up as a teenager with those movies. So they had it sort of holds a special place, but I w- watched it recently and it's not great. Like I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm happy to admit it. It's got a little bit of a piece of my heart because it's, I can remember it. And it's nostalgia. When I watched it. Yeah. It's yeah. the whole nostalgia yeah. thing to it. And I actually mm. think the setup uh, of that movie where Mina Savari like face dives off a thing into a car windshield <laughs> in the beginning and commits suicide. I thought that was actually a really to be honest with you, scene. yeah. And in terms of if if we look, compare the sequel to the remake, actually that scene uh, where she does take that you know goes goes through the wind, windscreen is a far more powerful moment than probably the entire setup in the remake. Oh, 100 percent, Now, coming over to coming back round. Uh, to carry. I mean, this is a film like we've talked about the sort of the levels of performance uh, in this film. Everybody is really, really, really bringing it. Now, what are? And I mean, we've got many a key moment in this, but for you guys, what are the, the moments that sort of stand out for you um, that really sort of resonate with you in this film? That sort of, sort of, when it, it automatically sort of somebody mentions Carrie 1976 to you, what is the, the moment that, that you guys go back to? I'd, I'd actually think, first. thank you, very kind of you. Um, I would think that obviously the, you know, the, the pig's blood over her is the iconic visual and it's on the poster and that's what everybody thinks of. But I actually think her interaction with her mother always sort of really stands out for me, especially when she comes home from school and her mother's a saying that she's a, you know, a slout or whatever because she got her periods and, you know, um, that sort of terrifying and Carrie's just so frightened of her mother and her mother's just such a whack job. Mm. And you you think, you know, I mean, she's been – a lot of people, a lot of girls would watch this and say, why don't you stand up to your mother? You know, just tell your mother to get fucked or whatever. But, 
you've got to remember she's been raised by her mother since she was a baby. That's all. That's the only life she knows. Yeah. And and I'm very much a firm believer in what happens to children. I think stays with you for the rest of your life. And it's very hard to break out of what's happened to you when you're a young child. So you think of that woman, that piece of crap, mm. Piper Laurie. She's a lovely woman, but of course the, <laughs> char- the character she's playing, the mother. Um, you know, with a one-year-old or a two-year-old or a three-year-old, you know, she's such a nut job that whenever I watch that scene, I think, oh, I can't even imagine her when Kerry was five yeah. or six, you know, yeah. or, yeah. you know, if Kerry pooped a diaper and the mother would be like, this is God's wrath, and <laughs> you know what I mean? And that, and that's the real seminal bit that I, I that really makes me think, I, I think, what, what this poor child has had to go through living in the house with this woman. Yes, yeah, yeah. But that's fine. I think in um, I just sorry to come back to the remake. In the remake, the movie opens with um, uh, Julianne Moore giving birth to Carrie and almost stabbing the baby with a pair of scissors. Yeah, and then chooses not to. So I think in that movie they actually delve into like what it would have been like for her as a baby, and then like they don't show obviously her growing up or anything like that. But you do get a sense that this is going to be hell. Her like all the way through is just going to be hell for her. Yeah. See, I don't think, I, I like, as I said, I haven't seen the remake. I'm not I'm going to. Um, <laughs> Good for you. I think the <laughs> trouble I is, where, I think the trouble from what you're telling me regarding the remake, Paul, it's it making things more obvious and I don't think it needs to be. I think, as I as I explained, you could instantly just with, with Carrie, with her mother, know what the mother was like when Carrie was, you know, aging. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it, yeah. sort of the same thing that they, they did with Han- point, Yeah, they just need to point things Halloween. out so obviously. It's like, look, this is how it was. And yeah. look, you know, the teacher didn't laugh and da-da-da. And it's like, no, it's it, it's like we're not allowed to think for ourselves anymore or work things out. Yeah, and I think, you know, it sort of... I, I think the remake sort of treats the audience as if they're stupid. Um, whereas this, you know, whereas the original sort of just... It just it presents presents the moment. It presents the film as it is, and we are watching. This is a glimpse into their life, and we can deduce from their life what is going on. Yeah, we don't we don't need to you know have everything pointed out so obviously all the time. Yeah, and I think that's probably Paul why you probably thought that um, the Betty Buckley character, the coach, was laughing at the end. And my, my whole take ever since I've seen the original Carrie, is that, no, that was just what Carrie saw in her head. Because, the, you know, they all applauded when, or most of them did, they all applauded. And she, for her to break character like that doesn't make any sense. So yeah, that's that's why the camera that's pans I, around I, so quickly. I was, if we'll, yeah, I was going to say, that's why I thought like, it's sort of, uh, for me anyway, obviously, you're now explaining it, it makes a lot more sense. But um, I think when I first watched it, I was actually disappointed with obviously the character because i had spent this whole time believing this character had uh, protected carrie and was on her side and then to go and laugh it kind of like goes against everything if you know what i mean so correct that's I, it she, yeah, she'd been so yeah. protective of carrie um so for that it, it, it felt it like a no cheat sense. on the audience yeah exactly yeah it felt like to me maybe but now that you're explaining it that way i think yeah i get it now yeah, because obviously in the moment it would have been obviously horrific. Uh, she thinks everyone's obviously laughing at her and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I get it now. The um, yep. okay. for me, 
the 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 one bit there's a there's a there's a few moments that sort of stayed with me the the one is the really creepy jesus that they have underneath the stairs uh, with the eyes with the eye that What's is with the eyes that is <laughs> that is fucking terrifying um um so there is you know there's that moment but for me um is the fact that in sissy spacex performance she never ever you never get the moment where she's begging the audience to like her. She yeah, it's is true. she is yeah, true. very, very real. And she is, you know, you can see even though that she is deeply, deeply wounded, um, and she has got all of this going on in her life. She, there is at no point does she ever sort of, you know, get the audience you know, there is the, never that plead in moment um in her performance. And I think that is just is a phenomenal piece of acting, and it's a very, very naturalistic performance. Um, and I agree, you know. But the other moment is the bit in the kitchen where she, where the mother has stabbed her daughter, um, and then she, you know, she manages to sort of use the kitchen utensils and almost sort of crucifies her own mother in the kitchen. That sort of replicates, yeah, sort of Jesus style, isn't it? Yeah, and it, if and when you look at yeah. the doll and you got you know and you look at that Jesus doll and the and it's got the arrows and things sticking in it, um, she almost replicates that that moment herself and the way in which yes, her it's mother. It's very artistically visual, isn't it? And I think yeah, th- that that sort of that that scene um, encapsulates um, encapsulates the film really. Um, and yes, you know, I think I think this is a film, obviously about, and in so many ways, the book um, is about uh, coming of age and sort of um, telekinesis and bullying and those type of things. But I think at the heart of it, this is a film about a mother and daughter's uh, abusive relationship. And yes, it's yeah, agreed. It's never, even though um, Piper Laurie is completely over the top. In, at times, um, she is absolutely spot on. We've talked about that, and you know, but the two together, because Sissy Spacek is so grounded and so real, and she is so massive, um, the two come together, and it works absolutely beautifully. And um, for me, it's something that always sort of stands out. Now, the other thing, of course, is we need to talk about it: is the pig's blood scene. Um, and that moment where she snaps. Um, how do you guys feel that? Uh, how, how, what's your What's your thoughts on that scene where she does go abs? She lets rip with her powers. Um, I've I always wish, found. I, I wish it was more gory. <laughs> <laughs> She's covered in Sorry. blood. What else do you want for a head to explode? <laughs> no, I just want people to be like. Even the re- like, as I said, I keep going back to the remake. Even the remake's not that violent. But um, I would really like. I would have just liked her to go because I think what everyone does to her throughout the movie, it just doesn't feel harsh enough from her point of view. Yeah. Maybe that's just me. Yeah. Like really? she burns everyone alive and stuff. Yeah. Well, obviously, like so, what they do to her for this entire thing, and I'm pretty sure it's probably even longer than that. Like she's probably spent another couple of years in high school where obviously before obviously before the prom i mean yeah, but um yeah. she's probably suffered for years at that high school against all these horrible people i would have just liked to have seen her go a bit more i don't know chop off a few heads or something you know well 
Well, you're expecting Rambo. Carrie goes Rambo. She just pulls out an Uzi and just starts blowing people's heads off. Well, I, I wouldn't complain. In the book, in the book, uh, Carrie actually, not only does she take out everybody in the gym, she burns the entire school to the ground. Okay. Oh, by the way, um, I know we get, you know, we, we, we mentioned this. If this film was made in 1976, the book was obviously written before that. If you haven't read or seen either, what are you doing listening to this podcast anyway? So pause it, go back, pick up a book, just pick it. You've been warned. Um, but the, in the book, she totally and utterly destroys the school. She kills pretty much everybody in there. And she destroys the town. She completely oh. destroys yeah, the town. Yeah. And the isn't isn't the book told from um people's perspective of like towns Yes, yes. Folk? It's, yeah, it's it's almost like it's told from yeah. like towns Yeah, yeah. folk that are trying to tell what happened on that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's 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 almost done and it's almost written like uh, like a report like a report about oh. the actual events and it's almost like an, it's 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 put together like somebody's uh, doing an investigation of the incident and it talks about um yeah. it one of the witnesses describes Carrie walking down the street um and all sort of almost sort of floating down the street and as she's walking past all the fire hydrants are exploding so what she's doing is uh, she's cutting off all the water supply so the fire brigade cannot put the fire out in the high school. Yeah. Oh, wow. And that would have been Creepy Carrie, creepy Carrie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she, and she goes, you know, she goes, com- she completely snaps, uh, you know, and um, the, she blows up the gas station in the town. Um, she empties all the fire hydrants. Um, and then the, the way in which she talks about like trapping the students, uh, Stephen King talks about sort of trapping the students inside the hall. Um, it's you know that I mean obviously one of the things that we sort of um, you know we forget about this film is that it had a budget of one point eight million. Which I is know, and it, it ended up making yeah. thirty three million. And I was going to raise yeah. that as well. It just goes to show you do not need the ridiculous amounts of money being thrown at movies these days, when you when you think of, the, as you said, this is made for just over a mil, um, raked in $33 million, um, and it's still a classic. And, you know, as uh, um, my podcast mate and I, Angry Man, always say, I'd rather make a movie that's not a huge box office but becomes a cult film than a movie that's just big one weekend and then everyone forgets about it. Well, exactly. I mean, and you know, there is not a scrap on. I mean, obviously, 1976. There, you know, there is no CGI, but there is not uh, a scrap of CGI. Everything is practical, and yep. the visceral feel that that scene gives it gives it a real it gives it real heart. Um, Really, it really does. And and talking about that, you know, people can't believe if if you watch John Carpenter's The Thing, um, this no, again, it was an era where I think CGI just was starting to like sneak in right at the end of the 80s, early 90s. But apart from that, it was all just practical effects. And I think Rob Button um, was only 21 when he did the effects for The Thing. But it's just, there was, you just had to be practical. Um, and and think on your feet. Think how can this be done? Because there just wasn't. Oh, let's just resort to a computer. So I'm glad you brought up Rob, Rob Practical. Botton. Practical. I'm glad you brought up Rob Botton. No, I have heard people call him Rob Botton. 
and I've heard people call him Rob Boutine. Which one is it? I don't know. The way, the way it's spelt, it sounds like Rob Botton. But yeah. then I've also had people call him Bob Botton. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I just always consider him, yeah, Rob, Rob Botton. And, of course, Drew Struzan, who is one of my heroes, um, did the, the, the Thing poster. Uh, he's done so many. Seriously, people, Google Drew Struzan. It'll blow your mind yeah. the amount of artwork he did, like, Phenomenal, but anyway, sorry. Um, I should just say the boy on the bike that says that creepy Carrie, creepy yeah. Carrie, uh, was actually Brian De Palma's nephew Cameron, <laughs> and that's actually Betty Buckley's voice saying it. Ah, creepy Carrie, yeah, hmm. interesting. Sorry, Paul, you were going to make a point. Oh, no, I was just going to say practical over CGI any day. That's yeah. all I was going to uh, add to that part, yeah, completely. Completely. Now, yep. there is another sort of key element um, to the film, and it's the famous hand scene. And did you guys know, and you, you probably do, that it is actually Sissy SpaceX hand that appears out to the ground? It's not a stunt hand. Um, they didn't bring in her yeah, hand she, twin. It, it, she she was got under all those fake rocks and yeah, shot her hand up. She was completely insistent on that being her hand she was she, makes she, sense because she has a very she's got a very pale look about her but she's got she's one of those girls she's obviously naturally red-headed or very yeah. close to red hair uh and she's got a lot of freckles so uh i, I really appreciate that because it just makes it more authentic doesn't it yeah oh completely completely very much so so do you still think that scene is effective yes yes yeah, so I, I still jump yeah, every I, single time. So I think it's one of the one of the best uh, jump scares in a horror movie. Yeah, and do you know what's kind of like the um? I th- probably it's probably where it's taken off from, but the Friday the Thirteenth when the boat. Yes. Yeah, yeah that's the same. The they, they lull, where Jason jumps get, out of the water. It's sort of like that. Yeah. Well, they lull, lull you into a false sense of security, and they, especially the music. You know when. Um, at the end of Friday the 13th when she's in the canoe. Yeah. And also with this scene, with the arms shooting up, it's all that sort of lovely music and then it's kind of like you go, ah, and it just makes you relax for that moment. You know, you're not on the edge of your seat anymore. You're just like, ah, okay, it's a happy ending. And and there's that final rap scare. And jump even though you know scare. it's coming, I still jump. <laughs> yeah. And I, I also love um, the um, Amy Irvin's uh, reaction when she when she sort of when she wakes up not from that dream and she's screaming and uh, she's just she's completely broken from that i think that you know that is such a brilliant brilliant way to end that film i think it is just yeah. a brilliant moment um and it's it's I, it's an I iconic i have to ask film. actually when you boys have nightmares like i i have nightmares nearly every single night um but i've never sat up right after having a nightmare, um, I used to sleepwalk when I was a kid. I used to sleepwalk really, really badly. Um, oh, that's spooky. Yeah, and like, um, I, you know, my mother would wake up and I would be like standing over her. Oh uh, God! Yeah, just stood there, not Creepy. a creep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and my wife actually, she used to um, sleepwalk, um, and she used to get up and turn all the lights on in the house, and then go back to bed. So, um, Carrie, is there uh, anything, guys? Because obviously, we you know we have covered a fair amount, actually. 
because, you know, we've been talking for the best part of over an hour now. Um, is there anything, guys, that you want to talk about, uh, Paul? Because I know, you know, is there anything that you can, uh, that you want to sort of particularly bring up? Because I know uh, l- uh, you, t- you talk about, you, you know, um, you, you watched the remake, you, uh, you saw this one, and you went on a bit of a movie marathon. Is there anything that you particularly want to bring into the, bring up right now? I had written a few notes here. Um, I thought it was, uh, you know, when they, um, just after the period scene, you know, when the teacher, the principal and carrier in the office. Yeah. Was it a thing in the 70s for teachers to in all grounds? Because there's oh, a scene yeah. where they're where the teachers are smoking. I don't know why. I just wrote that down. Yeah. Are, I mean, you, are teachers allowed to still smoke on? No, 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 no. I mean, in, in Wales, in, in Caerphilly, you're not only even allowed to smoke on uh, a council premises. If you're, a, you know, if you want to smoke, you have to leave. You have to get in your car and leave the entire premises. You can't even be on the grounds. Um, but they used to have a teacher smoking room. Um, oh, oh yeah. okay. In the, uh, and sort of going back to like the sort of, because um, I think my, this, I've been working 13 yeah, nearly 14 years I've been teaching now. Um, and the school that uh, I work in was built in in the 70s. And they actually built uh, a teacher smoking uh, room. So they used to go and uh, smoke in there. Um, so they used to be able, so okay. they used to, be able to uh, obviously now, with no way on earth would you be allowed to light up a cigarette in the, in class or or even on the building, you know. I mean, I think it's I think it's something like an 80 pound Yeah, fine. I just wasn't too sure if you could do it in like the teacher's lounge or something no, or, you know, no. something like that. No. Okay, fair I, enough. I think somebody from, you know, I think if you even think about a cigarette, uh, the thought police jump out and uh, stop you. <laughs> Yeah, true. I, I call them the party poopers being a smoker, although I'm actually giving up tonight. Um, but uh, I, look, I, I remember when, when I was, you know, I was born in 1970. So you, every, people smoked everywhere. You can't smoke anywhere now. Now it's just like, honestly, it's like you're walking around with syphilis and pot. Like, <laughs> seriously. It, um, but yeah, back then in restaurants, bars, every you could smoke wherever you wanted to smoke, basically. And I remember the school teachers actually walking around the yard, you know, when they walk around to check on you and all that sort of thing. Yeah. And they'd, they'd have a sticky in their mouth. <laughs> it's just, I, I've never, I, I can honestly say, hand on heart, I have never in my entire life touched a cigarette, ever. Um, but um, it, it's just, I just, I don't know how people would be able to teach and smoke. And being Welsh, if you cut my hands off, I can't talk. Um, so... <laughs> Um, I don't know how you would be able to do it because I'd end up blinding some child probably if I had a cigarette in my hand trying to teach. <laughs> well, I'm like that too. I'm very hand, using my hand sort of thing. Maybe because that's my, my grandmother was Welsh, so who knows. Well, um, but I should actually say, you know how I said that um, Steven Spielberg used to go down to the set and he ended up marrying Amy Irving? Yes. Well, I'd also forgotten Nancy Allen later married director Brian De Palma. And that's why she appeared in several of his following um, films, including *Dress to Kill* uh, and *Blowout*. Mm, I like I, I like *Dress to Kill*. I think it's I think it's I did too. I really like *Dress to Kill*. I think it's a really really uh, a really good film. Um, good good mystery sort yes. of. It's quite it's quite sexy. It's you know been, and and it was it Michael Caine in that blonde wig. You don't get over seeing that. Yeah, that that, that is. <laughs> there are moments in that where you. Think, not a pretty woman. <laughs> no, 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 no. I think no. it was Michael Caine, wasn't it? It was Michael Caine. Yes, it was Michael Caine. <laughs> yeah, it was. Now, Paul, is there any? No, other... I think I'm wrong. I think I'm wrong. Or was it? Oh, no, dressed to kill. 
Yeah, Dress to Kill is Michael Caine. I'm sure it is. I think it would be only fair to say we should mention a certain uh, Mr. Stephen King. Um, yes. Who's had a small hand in this uh, in this classic film. Um, and he We should say, this This was his first book, wasn't it, was. it Carrie? It, and he actually, he shelved it, and I think it was his family or someone that said, brought it back out. And it was his said, wife. You know, it was his wife who mm. told him, to, you know, you, you, need, you, this is, you need to work on this, you need to get this out. And... Um, he was only paid $2,500 for the screen rights for this. Yes, I know, but he's, he's done quite well for himself since then. I mean, I, <laughs> there are occasions where I think, I wonder whatever happened to that king boy. Um, yeah, so I wonder if he, he made good. Yes, with his funny little <laughs> stories. Is it's he not it's the... interesting, though, because he actually said that he, he enjoyed this movie, yes. Carrie, the movie Carrie, more than he enjoyed his own book of Carrie. Yeah, um, and he is famously very, very tetchy over uh, movie adapta- adaptations of his of his work. Um, and well, we did on the retro cinema. We did uh, just recently Pet Cemetery, oh, and that was that was a great episode, so by the way. To... Oh, thank great, you. Um, and that was filmed so close to his house that he was on set the entire time. He also did the screenplay for it. So he was very happy with that as well. And as famously known, he was never particularly pleased with The Shining, Jack Nicholson's No, because um, The have, Shining. Have you read the book? Paul, have you read The Shining? Yes. Yes, I have. No, I haven't read The Shining. Oh, no. I, I mean, I love, I love the movie. Yeah, I mean, the, the two, the book and the film are very, very different. Um, and it's sort of, it's, it's sort of almost, you could say it's, it's Kubrick's. Uh, take on The Shining, but they did a television yes. uh, version of The Shining, which is much closer to the book. Um, and I think when it came out, people sort of you know tried to compare it to Kubrick's Shining, um, and didn't. I, I don't think it gets as much love as it should because it's a very very good adaptation. Now here's the no, it should, it should absolutely, and yeah, that, I was surprised how different um, the mo- the movie was. Yeah. Um, compared to the book, because I read the book when I was going to Metropolitan Business College. I was on a ferry in the middle of the day with people all around me, and I still had to put the book down. It frightened me that much. Yeah, yeah, it, it is It is quite a scary book. I've, what I've done recently is I've gone right back to the beginning of uh, all of Stephen King's novels, and I'm reading them from the beginning um, again. Um, so I'm sort That's of, commitment. So I'm gonna, I, I, I will stop at a certain point, because I do think, I think it's fair to say, and, you know, who am I to criticise, you know, the great Stephen King? But You're I allowed th- to. I think he's kind of phoning it in with some of his newer efforts. Um, mm. Have you, I mean, for example, Cell. Um, now, the film, obviously, with John Cusack and Samuel L. Jackson, is... Um, Room... Um, no, the cell is about the the zombies with the with the mobile phones. Oh right, have that's you seen that one? Stephen King book. That's one Stephen King book I've actually read, and yeah. I really enjoyed the book. The movie, yeah, 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 is yeah. fucking laughable for me. It is up there with the Wicker Man remake <laughs> and the Happening. It's like uh, one of those movies that sets out to be a horror film, yes. but is so bad it becomes unintentionally funny, so it just is a comedy. Yeah. That's where it sits for me, with the uh, with the Wicker Man remake and The Happening. And I think as you the watch... The bees, not the bees! <laughs> God. I, when you watch it, you can actually see John Cusack dying inside. Um, yeah, I know. But I think after Cell, I think it's fair to say that King's novels um, have kind of... They've kind of trailed off for me 
Um, and I think that's the point where I'm probably going to stop. I'll get to the cell and then I'll stop. Um, but going I back... think because when, when he was writing Carrie and The Shining and Pet Cemetery, Christine, um, I, I think he was taking his time with them. And now I think that he's become so huge. And, you know, I think he's rattling them out probably a bit too quickly. And the other thing I think of is that eventually you're going to run out of ideas. Yeah. You know, he does tend yeah. to base a lot of his novels around the same area. A lot of the times it's an author. Yeah. Misery is a masterpiece. I did read that one. Yes. And, of course, we should say that he wrote the Shawshank Redemption. Stand By um, Me. Stand, Stand By, by Me, which we're going to podcast very, very soon. That's a beautiful film. Really fantastic. Um but yeah, I, I agree. I agree with you, Hugh. I think there was a point where it's a bit like um, J.K. Rowling. Like you know, I've, yeah. I've read some of the Harry Potter books, um, but then I didn't bother watching that fantastical beast. I didn't read that one, but I did watch the movie, and I was just walked away with it, just going, "Ugh." Yeah, I have you guys? Go on, sorry, no, go. please. I was please. just going to say, have you seen that? There's a Family Guy skit where yes. they um, <laughs> do the Stephen King thing, and he goes into his agent's office, and they're like, "Oh, what's your new book about?" And he goes, uh, and he looks around the room and grabs the lamp off the desk and goes, <laughs> "It's about a scary lamp." <laughs> I think that's what, I think that's what he's doing now. I think it's just I mean, I, to the I, point I, where he's just picking up things in the room and just writing about them and turning them into a horror yeah. horror novel. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about that. Have you guys ever watched that? That it's, supposedly it's a horror movie, but it's up there with you know Richard, the the tomatoes movie, um, tire. Oh yes, I uh, yeah. A killer tire. Oh, yes. Oh, rubber. Yes. Rubber. Bizarre rubber. That's it. Yeah. It is bizarre. Yeah. yeah. You know, you think what else can you try and make scary? I mean, they've had tomatoes. They've had a bed. There's a horror movie where the bed. I mean, is, that yeah. bed of, is that bed of the dead? Yes. Yeah, it just came out. I'm planning on watching it soon to review it for the blog. I hope it's good. And, and there's know, the yeah. is it um, evil uh, something gingerbread man and evil bong? Yeah. Uh, yes, there, uh, yeah. There's a gingerbread man. There's um, a, a snowman. It's, <laughs> it's just, not yeah, there's, scary there's, at all. There's there's heaps. There's also like um, there was a whole there was a whole range of movies that came out in like the late maybe the late or early 2000s where it was like killer hair extensions and killer tongue and Jesus. all these like Japanese type things. And they were like all based around just random things where they kill people. But yeah, I can remember that killer hair extensions one oh and the tongue one. God. Demon I've seen tongue, the trailer for the, the hair extensions one. That is hysterical. Have you done that for your blog yet, Paul? Uh, I, I, I want to do one where um, I spend a month <laughs> Um, maybe, maybe next year, but I'm going to start doing months where I dedicate a month to a certain type of horror movie, I guess would be the way. And I think one of them is going to be where I just do stupid things like that. So like teeth, maybe where there's teeth in the vagina or, which is not a stupid movie, but like, you know, like killer body parts and stuff like that. And just do like a whole month dedicated to those type of movies. I oh, think that would be quite so fun. That. Yeah, that would, yeah honestly, I think that I'm is, going to. That's genius. That is absolute genius. <laughs> but now, do you know what's happened? Do you know what's going to happen? Now that I've mentioned it on here, some some blog or some site is going to pick it up and then, like, run with it. Dude, I honestly... You know what? I think it's probably know... already been done. Yeah, Yeah. true. I, I'm, I, probably I, not the, I'm probably not the only one to think of it. However, you will bring your own unique brand to it, and I would definitely, most def, and I know there are people who listen to the show would definitely be straight into that. 
Um, use the other thing as well. He's had more than 100 movies, televisions, uh, television and series adaptations of his work. Um, he's, you know, it, it's, it's just inc- incredible. Um, it's insane, isn't it? Like I try, I, I've started to, you know, I used to think of myself, I'm completely 100% artistic, which means I can't do maths. Um, I can't spell, I'm whatever. Um, but, um, uh, yeah, I've tried to write several books, you know, different sort of themes and stuff, but I always start them and you get halfway through and you're just like, yeah, you know, so the dedication for writers, especially to write a hundred, over a hundred books. Um, and for most of them, I mean, it, we're actually, um, my partner and I, we're discussing what should be remade now with the success of It, uh, yeah. the remake of It, because that was based on a telly movie, another telly movie, and I said this is the one that I would remake is The Langoliers. Yeah, no, that, the, there's some bad effects in that. Oh God, um, yeah. um, what's his name? Is it? Uh, is it Bronson Pinchot? Uh, yes. Is, oh God, it, that is just. At, at what point did the director actually think this? Why am I letting him? Why am I letting him, letting him do this? Because. <laughs> Just ter- and Dean Stockwell's in it, isn't he? Yes. Dean. Oh, yep. R.I.P. Yes. Yes. Sadly. Um, but it's such. You know, it's a really good idea. It's a really, really good idea for a. You know. You know. But they butchered it. And I mean, I'm a big fan of Maximum Overdrive. I really like Maximum Overdrive. Oh, that's a great movie. And um, people give it so much shit, and I don't understand. I, I, I see love why. it. But I think it's a really, really. I think it's well worth. Um, it's well worth seeing Maximum Overdrive. Um, I think people. I actually think, and this is what I found with us doing the '80s movie podcast. A lot of people say rag on movies, right? It seems yeah. it's the hop on the bandwagon thing. Oh, that's crap, and critics didn't like it, and it didn't do well at the box office, and all that. But up until a point, Xanadu was our biggest podcast. We had more people listen to that. Then American Wolf in London, The Thing, Big Trouble in Little China, The Terminator, yeah. Scarf, Xanadu. And that's the movie that everybody absolutely rags on. And then much later on, we did the pirate movie, which is an Australian film. It's got Christy McNichol and uh, Christopher Atkins in it. Yeah. It's based on the Pirates of Penzance. But that, again, ragged across the board by people. They said it's a crap movie. It's shit. And, again, massive Followed, yep. like massive amounts of people listening to it. So I, that's why we try and do some of these movies. We don't listen to the critics. We don't listen. We just do movies that we love and stick to it. Well, and I mean, it's, yeah. It's, yeah, I mean, look, you know, you just look at these titles that, he, you know, that have been adapted just in a film. So you've got Stand By Me, Shawshank Redemption, Pet Cemetery, Misery, The Shining, Maximum Overdrive, Creepshow, The Mist, It, The Green Mile, 1408, Silver Bullet, The Dark Tower, Oh. Not great. Um, Secret Window, no. Sleepwalkers, Thinner, The Dead Oh, film. I didn't like Secret Window. I didn't like the film of Secret Window. <laughs> I, I guessed it in the first five seconds, and I didn't yeah. even read the book. Christine, Cujo, mm. Carrie, Needful Things, Sometimes They Come Back, um, Cat's Eyes, Dreamcatcher, Dolores Claiborne, Firestarter, The Dark Half, The Running Man, The Mangler, App Pupil, uh, The Nightflyer, which is very, very underrated, uh, Graveyard Shift, uh, Creepshow 2, uh, Riding the Bullet, Tales from the Dark Side, Children of the Corn, Lone Mower Man. Um, sometimes they come back one, two, three, five, and all <laughs> there. Sell, Gerald's Game. It just goes on and on and on. It's and amazing, isn't it? How yeah. good is Creepshow? It's brilliant. Oh, it's it, it's brilliant. 
And Steven Spielberg, and and he's um, not Steven Spielberg. It's Stephen King's actually in it in the one where he's like meteor shit. Yes, yes. <laughs> lonesome, the lonesome. What is it? The lonesome tale of Geordie. Geordie oh, I can't even remember. Verrill. 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 Yeah, think, yeah. Yeah. That was. I still think his acting in that was fucking terrible. Though. Yes, he's not known for his. Uh... <laughs> no, I do no, love his line in. Actor, Ma- but... Yeah, yeah. I love his line in Maximum Overdrive. And he goes, "Honey." The machine, the ATMs called me an asshole. <laughs> it's brilliant. I love it. I'm laughing with a mouthful of wine. <laughs> <laughs> so to wrap, carry up, guys, because uh, we mm. do we do do scores on the show, um, and to sort of uh, just to sort of bring this to you know bring this you know bring this around. Um, I'll go first because you know I think it, it, it's only fair. Otherwise, you're the people, host. You pe- get to go first. Yeah. People will only accuse me of sort of listening to you guys and then going, "Ah, he jumped in." For me, um, I think Carrie is a seminal piece of cinema. Um, I think Sissy Spacex performance and Piper Laurie is just superb. Um, I think it's um, it's a film that I don't think it's perfect because I do think there are some there are some issues with it. I think there are a few moments where. It, it's the music kind of dates some of it at some points. Um, and I think some of the sequences, particularly like um, where the girls are exercising and those type of things, you just think, oh, is there any real need for this? Uh, you're lingering a little oh, that, bit. There. That music's really bad when they're, yeah. when, she, when the coach is making them do that. It's a, sort of that doink, 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 doink. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're like, this is right. And we had this experience with the Ladyhawk podcast. I love that movie, but some of the music in yes. Ladyhawk is really bad and it's really dates the movie it's yeah. really a synthy yeah and I, I i agree i think yeah that music you just like going oh just t- yeah. turn the volume down you know? and i you know and I, like i said i think it's a seminal piece i don't think it's a perfect film uh, but it has got brilliant brilliant moments in it and out of 10 i would give this an 8.5 so gidge over to you where yeah. do you come in on this one um, I'll just flat out say that I will give this an eight out of ten. As I've as we've found, this very hard saying a movie's absolutely one hundred percent perfect. There's very few and far between movies. So you know, to give a ten out of ten, no, I agree with you. There's there's a couple of things in it that sort of go, Ooh. Um, but overall, beautifully acted, beautifully filmed, beautifully directed. Uh, everyone's excellent in it, and yeah, I'll give it an eight. Okay, Paul, over to you, my man. Yeah, I'm going to give it an eight as well. I think obviously there are some things there where they don't ever, well, it doesn't always work, but yeah, I think eight. I originally, uh, sorry, I was just going to bring this up as well. I originally had a blog when I was about, I'd probably say about 20, so what, 12 years ago, where I did horror movies as well, and then I obviously I stopped it. Um, but I did a whole month where I did Stephen King's, and I think back then, being 20, yeah. I didn't really appreciate Kerry. I gave, I think I gave it a six <laughs> right. back then, but okay. re, but rewatch, but rewatching it now at thirty one, I kind of, I kind of appreciate it a lot more. And watching the remake mm. straight afterwards only makes me realise how good the original was. <laughs> so, what, yeah, what, gonna, what would you give the remake, Paul? Out of ten, uh, I'd probably say like a maybe a four, maybe a three. It's, it's just not good, and she's and. She's the wrong choice for Kerry. Yeah. She's actually a good-looking, like, she's too pretty, I think, for the role. Like, where I know that um, there was a remake as well where Angela, I think it was Angela Bettis from May. Yes, was, yes. Yeah. Was Kerry. And apparently yeah. that was actually quite 
quite a decent remake, but um, yeah, I haven't seen it. But yeah, this remake, the latest one, is fucking terrible. <laughs> and also, that actress looks really young. I, I don't know how old she actually is. She's so she... uh, she's now. I think she's about eighteen now. But when she did Carrie, I think it was probably um, she would have been at the right age to be in high school. Yeah. Yeah. Right, because I know cause I know that um, Sissy Spacek was like Carrie's meant to be seventeen. Sissy <laughs> was Spacek 25. was actually in her, yeah, she was in her <laughs> early twenties. So, um, but she, you you couldn't tell really. Um, yeah, no. But, she... yeah, good. Right. You go. No, go go. So, where where did you come in on the original then? Where do you where do you where do you land this one then, Paul? On the original? Oh, uh, yeah, I'd give it an eight. As I said, eight definitely. Excellent. Excellent. So that kind of wraps up our carry section of uh, of the show. So we're going to usually on the show I do a section called What the Wookie You Watched this week. And uh, this time we're going to just uh, we're going to shake it up a little bit because usually this is the bit where I sort of bore everybody to death on my own. However, uh, since we have oh, excuse me <coughs> since we have two fabulously knowledgeable guests from uh, a part of the world that has given us some fantastic, fantastic moments in horror. Um, we're gonna we're gonna talk a couple Aussie films. And uh, first up, guys, it's up to you. It's entirely up to you. Um, since you're my guests, which one would you like to talk first? Would you want to talk the cars that ate Paris, or do you want to talk the Babadook? Which one would you like to talk first, guys? I think we go the Babadook first. Okay, I'm happy because I just, I just, well, I just rewatched it again today. I've already seen it probably five times, and it still scares the living shit out of me. Like yeah. this movie really frightens me. Yeah, um, I hadn't seen the Babadook um, before uh, sort of recording for this show and sort of getting ready for the show. Obviously, sat down and watched it, and I think I, I think I messaged you actually, Gidget, and actually said, "Holy shit!" Um, yeah. This is a film that genuinely, and I don't get frightened by films uh, very often. This is a film Same. that genuinely frightened me. Where'd you get this? On the shelf. If it's in a word or it's in a look, you can't get rid of the Babadook. A rumbling sound, then three sharp knocks. That's when you'll know he's around. You'll see him if you look. Nothing bad's gonna happen, Sam. Did he think that about my dad before he died? Who sees things as they are, that one? I promise to protect you if you promise to protect me. Oh, my God. Did he hurt anyone? The boy has significant behavioural problems. This monster thing has got to stop, all right? It's just a book. It can't hurt you. Stalking me and my child. You can't get rid of the pepper dog. You can bring me the boy. You can bring me the boy. You can bring me the boy. 
genuinely frightened me. Um, And it just blew me away. Um, Paul, what's your opening thoughts on The Barbadook? Uh, When I originally watched it, uh, because I saw it a couple of years back when it was obviously um, being hyped up and everything like that, uh, I hated it. Whoa. I think the um I really? think the yeah I the first time I mean I actually fell asleep and it was just maybe it was the time that I had watched it or something I just wasn't into it at all and I thought you know what it's it's hyped it's one of those movies that everyone's talking about and they've just hyped it up to the point where I've found it completely shit house to be honest but again like Carrie watching it again um, I actually really enjoyed it this time around. I got, I think I got a lot more of the themes. Yeah. That it's obviously like uh, about the depression and stuff like that. Uh, but I've got to say that kid is one of the most fucking annoying kids <laughs> ever on screen. Yes. yes. Uh, I, as I, as I wrote a tweet today, uh, I said, I would have put a bag over its head and drowned it in the local river if it was my kid. <laughs> well, she, she, she tried to. <laughs> yeah, she, she had a go. Fair play to her. She has a good go. We should actually say it's a, 2004, it's a 2014 Australian psychological horror. Yes. Uh, it was uh, written and directed by Jennifer Kent, and this was her de- directorial <laughs> uh, <laughs> debut. So, you know, I mean, it's just every, everything about it. I really I can't, I can't fault this movie. First of all, the, the visual, yes. the grey and blue tones all the way through. When she goes to the police, the police are in grey. And we don't – that's not the uniform of the no, police officers no. here in Australia. No, that was a blue. Um, it's yeah. just – and, and every, there's all muted – it's really muted tones. There's nothing colourful apart from the old lady that lives next door, her yes. garden. Yes, Which to me is a showing that she's a ray of light and that things are going not good. Yeah. You know, yeah. And with it's... – um, no, go, go, pray continue. Go, 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 go. Oh, and it's, it's, it stars Essie Davis. Yeah. And uh, she plays Amelia. And we've got the little boy, Noah Weissman. Whether you find him annoying as fuck or not, this little kid's performance is unbelievable. So he's Samuel, the son. Yeah. Um, and it's really just based around the two of them. We've got a couple of sideline actors, but but generally it's just, the, especially when it gets, it's a slow burn right at the beginning. It reminds yeah. me of Rosemary's Baby. Yeah. Same sort of thing. And too many horror movies these days feel that they need to come out shooting straight at the beginning. Horror, 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 horror. And there's something about a slow burn, the tension that builds. And as I said, Rosemary's Baby, the same thing. The Exorcist. Yeah. The horror doesn't start until halfway through the movie. Yeah, I mean, I'm contractually obliged to say that The Exorcist is the greatest movie of all time and the greatest book of all time as well. No. So, <laughs> so oh, I no. Yeah, I uh, I am a huge, huge fan of those movies. Uh, I, I I take by your. T- we, we won't we won't get into that. Your <laughs> uh, Paul, you're exactly like my partner. My partner Colonel Kickhead. Um, that's not his real name. Um, he saw The Exorcist late in life. He didn't see it yeah. originally. He saw it much late in life, and he just thought it was funny. He wasn't scared at all. Yeah. And I, I'm constantly trying to say, all right, well, you, well, you may not have found it frightening, but you've got to say it's a good film. So he admits that it's a, an excellent film. He just didn't find it yeah. scary. And I, th- I think the point in The Exorcist where her head turns completely around, that's when he kind of really sort of lost it. And yeah. um, But I still I – still, can't watch i'm so frightened and i've seen that movie probably the exorcist 20 times yeah i'd say um it still scares the shit out of me yeah and i I think think i've gone no go paul go 
Oh, no, I was just going to say, I think I've told um, Gidget before, like when we've talked privately, that um, with The Exorcist, it was one of those things that when like I was in year seven in high yeah. school, yeah. it was one of those infamous movies that all the kids would be talking about, like, oh, what's the scariest horror movie you've ever seen? And yeah. it was like everyone would be talking about The Exorcist. And then because it was R18 plus and I just started working in a video store, yeah. I was lucky enough to be able to rent it and take it home. Yeah. And I think hearing that, all that hype about it when watching it maybe being 14 or 15 years of age i just didn't get it if yeah that, if that makes yeah. sense like i think it just didn't resonate with me i've watched it since i think i've watched it maybe once in like the last 10 years and i i think it was a, a better film than what i thought of it as a teenager but obviously i just still don't find it scary but i can only imagine what audiences would have seen when they seen this back in the 70s yeah i mean I, probably I, would have I, been I, the think, most I think people thing. find different things very frightening like when i watch it's a subjective. horror movie i throw myself fully into it i want to be scared mm. i really want mm. movies to terrify me and uh, you know of late i'm find, really struggling to think of movies that really genuinely frightened me but yeah obviously the exorcist is in my top 10 but the babadook now is also in my top 10 because the fact that i was watching it during the day i had my partner next to me and i still had my scare pillow yeah it's... which is the pillow i hold in front of my and i it's, i'm like you hugh it takes a lot to really frighten me but yeah, watching the babadook i was getting goosebumps and i just oh it's 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 really frightening. Yeah, there is something about this film that you there is that moment that you know that there is a large part of this film where you think, hang on a second now, is this supernatural? Is this psychological? Um, and the and I know how you know because I honestly found the kid really really irritating, but actually um, part of my part of my job is uh, I'm the head of a, uh, of, of uh, additional learning needs within the school. And um, I also take. I also have to deal with sort of lots of um, issues with behaviour. And one of the things that really struck a chord with me, uh, with with the character of Samuel, is that he portrays um, lots and lots of symptoms um, of something called attachment disorder. Um, mm, yes. And it's that sort of you know, and it's the hypervigilance. It's the constant need to know where his mother is, the protecting of his mother, um, the grabbing onto the, her all the time when yeah. he's at the birthday party. Yeah. And the other those snobby women are all just looking at her, and he yeah. he won't let go of his mother. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And you, 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 you sympathise. Trust me, as you get as you get older, Paul, you do sympathise. Like I watch it with different eyes than when I first saw it in 2014. I was thinking, oh, that fucking kid. Um, but now, you know, like I've got a nephew with autism. Um, and th there are different behavioural problems within children. And, and also sh she's been, to me, is what you mentioned, Hugh, was it is it, a, is it a mystical thing? Is that thing actually in the house? Um, or is she, and I think she never recovered from the death of her husband. No, no. You should just say no. right at the beginning yeah, is the car accident. And the husband was driving her. She was pregnant. The husband was driving her to the hospital. They had a car accident. He was killed. Um, watching it again, he was obviously decapitated or, or yeah. beheaded or whatever. Um, but I think she never recovered from that. Plus, her her job during the day is working in an old person's home with people with dementia and stuff like that. So that wouldn't be easy either. And I, I took this movie, especially when I saw it the second time. The first time I saw it, I took it as a – the, that the Babadook is actually real and it's terrorising her. And I actually think this film is about the 
the very slow descent into insanity in a way. Yes, yeah, and I think it sort of shares themes uh, that run very much along uh, line, uh, along the lines of uh, Requiem for a Dream. Um, yes. It, it, it has, and, and again, the sort of colour palettes kind of have similarities there. There is that sort of, you know, there is that the muted colours, the darkness, the... Um, the, the way in which the camera moves at times, the the shape of the house, actually in the yeah, it's a, every, every every everything's like yeah, as I said before, grey and and blue, and it's color is so important in movies. One of one of my favorite foreign um, horror movies is Suspiria, yeah. and that's the opposite. That's just color out the wazoo, but it's very cleverly used within the the, the film, and yeah. it's and this is and this is the same, but it's the opposite. It's just that. It's it's that feeling of dread and there's a slight feeling of claustrophobia as well, especially when she really loses it and she locks up the house. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and obviously, there's spoilers in this podcast. She kills the dog. That's the only creature that actually does die. At that in point, I got to be honest. When I was at that point, I did think she needs to die. She's got to go now. That's yes. it. She, yeah. she killed the dog. That's when, it, that's when your go. sympathies turn. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's that's it. You total bitch. You killed the dog. The poor little dog. Um, and that's when she turns on her son, which suddenly yeah. you, the the kids annoyed you for so long, and you're just like, oh, as you said, Paul, I just want to drown him in a bathtub. Um, <laughs> I should I should just say, first of all, you should never do that, and you should never hurt children. Um, but uh, then it just turns around when she really sort of goes insane. And can I say, sitting down watching horror movies on your television sets not helping the situation. Yeah. Yeah. You know, she's watching some pretty horrific stuff on the television, and and I did make a note. One of them, first of all, one of them was Skippy, um, <laughs> which was a very big show here in the late seventies, early eighties in Australia. Yeah, about a talking kangaroo. It didn't really talk; it just went. And and for some reason, Sonny could understand it. He's like, "What? Someone's fallen down the well." Kangaroos. Um, <laughs> and one of the another thing that they were watching, or she was watching, um, was George Malay. I think that's how you say it. Yeah. Uh, they the film Hugo. Uh, yeah. Sort of, yeah. Yeah, that's um, right. I, I found his stuff, it's fascinating and spooky, but, yeah, as I wrote down, so to turn on to something happy, love. Cause... <laughs> yeah, because it, it ain't helping you. It ain't helping you. No. Know, and she had, like, um, uh, I think she had the, oh, is it Hexen as well? She had, it was, it was on in the background. Yes, um, yeah. You know, she... I've always wanted to watch that. I've never seen it. Oh, it's freaky. I've never freaky. seen it. Yeah, I've heard, I've I've heard never it's seen one of those... Now, yeah. as you know, and I think one of the things that works really, really well in this is the way in which the the, the so-called creature is used, because you ne- you get sort of almost like flashes of, and I know it down to you know, I mean this is this film had a budget of I think it was uh, two million, um, two million, so, yep. yeah, and so so they sort of obviously they, they couldn't do a lot with the creature, but what they did was very, very effective, and it sort of adds to the idea because it's not when you do see the creature, it's not this perfect CGI creation. Um, no. I don't looked... know how I don't know how they did the creature. And I think even if she had fifty million dollars, I still would have done it exactly the same yes. way she did. Yeah. I think that you see too much of a lot of stuff and I think it's the stuff that you don't see that's frightening. It's the old Hitchcock term, you know, you know, you've got the bomb under the table. Yeah. Do you just blow it up? And yeah. get that sudden shock, or do you show the bomb? Do you show it ticking away? Yeah. And that's what this creature is. It's it's flashes at first, and and it's just 
Honestly, and, and actually, funnily enough, speaking about The Exorcist, William Friedkin, the director of The Exorcist, yeah. said of this film, I've never seen a more terrifying film than The Babadook. It is. It, and it, 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 I can honestly say it genuinely frightened the shit out of me. It is. And I, I, I felt emotionally wrung out by the time I'd finished watching it. Um, Same. Essie, and Essie Davis's performance, and no wonder that they asked her on to be on Game of the Thro- Game of Thrones, mm. um, because her performance, she should have been up for an Oscar for this. And I know this is the one thing that really annoys me out of any genre horror movies. I think the last horror movie that really got it was Science of the Lambs, and how long ago was that? Um, but they really overlook horror movies for awards, number yeah. one. Yeah. And number two, she, she, you know, uh, the, the maker of this movie, Jennifer Kent, mm. really had to struggle to get this movie made. And Australia, we've got the capability to make some amazing horror movies. Saw could have been made yeah. here, yeah. but they couldn't get any backing. So they had to go over to America. And now look how huge that is. But they really overlook horror movies in this country, and it really annoys the shit out of me. I think it, Because oh, they don't fund the worst. them. So... Paul, obviously, you, you, you sort of, you said like you originally saw it. What's your take on it now? What's your take on the Barbadook now? Um, I, okay, I'm going to be honest. I didn't love it, love it uh, yeah. as much as you guys did. I didn't find it. I still didn't find it scary. Uh, obviously, as uh, Gidge said, it's subjective, I guess, yeah. um, in terms of scares. But I think, as I wrote on Twitter today, exactly what Gidge said before, I think Essie Davis' performance in that should have got her an Oscar nomination. Yeah, it totally. is that totally. it is that good. Like I, I'd probably if I was to give it anything, I'm probably going to jump the gun here, but I'd probably give it like a seven out of ten. Yeah, I don't think it's yeah, I don't think it's um, the groundbreaking like Australian horror movie that I think they hyped it up to be. Mm. But there is there are some really dark themes in this movie, and I thought the Babadook was an awesome creation. I guess yeah. Um, yeah. Stuff and I guess the stuff of nightmares. Uh, some I of the want, I want the pop up book. Supposedly they they made quite they, a few they, of they them. They did. I think they, yeah, they, they released like a thousand or something of them. Two, and... two thousand copies of the yeah. pop up. And I'm like, damn, I'd, I'd love I, you know, that. It's like dolls and ventriloquist dolls. I don't know if I'd ever have one in the house. <laughs> what, you don't like pop up books? Uh, no, <laughs> or yeah. just that one? Actually, yeah. Well, not, not one. Not one that has a demon that comes after you. No, no, I I, I tend to sort of avoid demon uh, possessed books. Um, it's like the <laughs> it's like the line from Shrek, isn't it? Uh, three silver pieces for the possessed toy. Um, it's just sort of <laughs> it's just oh. see, and that's and that's where it sort of confused me watching it again. Is yeah, I believe that it's her road into madness, having to deal with the child. Yeah, he's obviously got problems and and it's her descent it's how i would think it would feel going insane um but there's that bit where you know she's read the book to the kid um it's got a few blank pages at the back mm. and then she gets she gets rid of it and then she and she finally reaches a point where she tears up all the pages and she and she throws it out and then suddenly it's on her front door it's all been reassembled but now there's more lines in the book in the back of the book and yeah. you think is this in her mind or is well, this yeah, real? Or... The other thing as well, because he talks about she's a writer. I'm one, you know, one of the things that left me thinking was, did she write this book herself? Ah. And why was it in the house? Yeah. And she, it's like she yeah. doesn't remember it being there. She's like, how did this get here? Why? Yeah. And he's like, oh, 
the little boy says it was on the shelf. Yeah. Samuel says on the shelf. And you think, well, wouldn't you know what you've bought your child? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, but, it, it but we is... are talking about a character that seems like even herself seems to be losing her sanity. So that would probably yeah. be why she wouldn't know what the, or like why she did the book or, or if she had actually written the book herself, she probably wouldn't have even known. Yeah. 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 Because uh, yeah, as, as I said, I think she's not been right since the death of her husband, which you, you know, you wouldn't be. And suddenly you're a single mother coping with this child with problems. Yeah. Um, you, you know, insane. you sympathise with her until she like really goes nut shit, and especially when she. Yeah. Any movie where someone's floating, yes, when she floats towards him, freaks me out. There's certain things that freak me out, and that's one of them. The minute people start moving abnormally, you know, it's <laughs> and they're like ah. Yeah, yeah. So she goes full, when she loses it, she, she goes go, like she's shit. terrifying. Yeah, yeah she she's as scary as the Babadook when she yeah, loses it. Yeah. So we've had Paul's go. So, you, Paul, you say you, you're coming in with a 7 out of 10 on this one. Yeah, I'd give it a 7 out of 10. Okay. Gidge, where do you come in on this one? I'm going to go in a 9.5. 9.5. Wow. I, uh, I can't, I can't fault I, I really can't fault it, and I'm only just not giving it a 10 because I don't believe there's a perfect movie. So, um, yeah, for me, hey, 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 the thing, the thing's a perfect movie, thank you very much. <laughs> that is, oh, actually, 10 out of 10. Absolutely right. You are absolutely right. The thing. <laughs> Is a perfect movie. I also uh, recently gave the um, original Texas Chainsaw a ten. So I've been doing my blog for what a year and a yeah a year and a half now. Yeah, or no, just just over a year actually. And it's the first movie I've ever given a ten. Is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? I, I agree with you. That's in my top ten scariest movies as well. Definitely yeah. Yeah. the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and that messed me up when I saw that. Yeah, that is that is that is a, a ride into terror. Um, and I think for me, I, this is I, I think it's this is an eight point five. Um, if for me, it's an eight point five. It is a. I think it is a must see for any for any horror fan um, or any fan. And of, even if you even if you're not a horror fan, yeah. like you know, my mum's my mum's uh, in her mid seventies, and I send a lot of movies down to her. Um, I sort of hesitated about this because she lives by herself, um, but she she's a huge movie buff, even, maybe even bigger than me, which is hard <laughs> to believe. Um, but I'm. I'm going to send it down to her. I was tell, talking to her today, and I was, she's saying, "Well, so like, what are you podcasting?" And I said, uh, "You know, uh, Carrie." And I said, and, "And the Babadook." And she's like, "Oh, I've heard about that. I, I want to see that." And I'm like, "No, you sure, Mum? You live by yourself, and yeah. uh, it's a bit <laughs> close to the bone." And she's like, "No, send it. I like a good horror. I like to be scared." And I'm like, "All right, then, <laughs> send it <Okay>. down." <laughs> okay. So yeah, we just honestly, whether you find it scary or not, whether you're into horror movies or not, this is more than a horror movie. Yes. I think it's a psychological thriller. I think. It's, it's a drama. Uh, as I said, the horror doesn't even really start until halfway through the movie. No, so no, it's got, got the forty-minute character mark. development. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah.
accident. But that's the world we live in. That's the world of the motor car. You can listen to me. Now, you get this into your mind. Nobody leaves Paris. No one. Well, we get far more opportunity to do experimental work in the field of surgery and psychiatry than your city expert. This is where the really exciting work is being done. No, I have two hobbies. The past, which is manifest in these lovely old country towns like Paris. And the future, which lies with our youth. I got this one. This one's mine. You slut. You irreligious bat! Daddy, daddy. All right, come on, come on. Have, uh, have you country boys forgotten the old school war cry? Have you? Mm -hmm. Have you forgotten the meaning of those words? Woomera, woomera, babaloo, boomerang, crocodile, kookaburra, wombat, orangutan, wee-ho, way-ho, taramanga mine, quondong, billabong, gandablui pine, platypus emu, wallaby roo, ivers, frolicus, white cockatoo, No one leaves Paris. No one. Right. Okay. Here we go. Talking about descent into madness. <laughs> oh my God. Right. The Cars That Ate Paris from 1974. <laughs> Holy shit. Um, you said a mouthful, Hugh. <laughs> what the fuck? Um, I, 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 it's insane. It is an absolutely insane film. It is bonkers. Um, it's crazy. And we should say, uh, this is from the director, and he also wrote it. This is from the director of Picnic at Hanging Rock, which is one of my favourite Australian movies of all time. Gallipoli, which is another one of my favourite oh, Australian brilliant films. Film. Brilliant film. Oh, Gallipoli. Oh, that end there, you know, run like a cheater or whatever. And he's... Yeah. Um, Year of Living Dangerously. Yeah. Witness, which I love Witness with Harrison Ford and Kelly McGillis. Uh, Green yeah. Card, which yeah. is a nice little movie. Dead Poet Society and... A, Master and Commander, which I really enjoyed with Russell Crowe, but a lot I, of people didn't. I, I really enjoyed, enjoyed that because I like the books. I really like the books. Um, the books are just based oh, on there you they, go. They, I've, I've, really got, I've got something that I'm going to send you, Hugh. Oh, there we are then. <laughs> well, I used to work for 20th Century Fox. Wow. And I, they used to get a lot of stuff that came out with the movies. Yeah. And Master and Commander is a 20th Century Fox movie, and I've got a little telescope um, that was a promotional thing that was sent oh, to wow. movie reviewers. So I'll send that over to you. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, 
That's awesome. I just I just wanted to say, Gidge, um, I noticed that you didn't say the Truman Show. Yes. Yes. Mm, you're, yes. you're not a big I fan did. of that, are you? You hate that I movie. I hate it. I hate I it. I love that movie. <laughs> hate it. It makes no fucking sense. That movie makes no that – that movie make the Cars That Ate Paris makes more sense than that fucking movie. First of all, <laughs> it's, a, it's a reality show from when he's a baby. Who the fuck would watch that? Who the fuck would watch from when someone's a baby? So he's having his diaper changed. That's exciting. Oh, so he's hey. sleeping. That's exciting. Where did they find the actors to work on this show full time? Well, I tell and, you something. And, you say about that, there's a television program that we've got in the UK at the moment called Just Tattoo Me. And it's about people who set their friends up with horrific tattoos. And it is a massive You're hit. You're kidding me. No, I, I, I shit you not. Um, it, it literally... Well, look at Gogglebox. It's people oh. watching TV, watching TV. It's terrifying. So I can imagine, I can imagine the people watching the Truman. Big Brother, Big Brother, people just sat around. And this is my other argument. You've, you've taken the child from being a baby. First of all, what happened to its parents? Next of all... Why Why would you just put him in a normal suburban job with a normal suburban? And why would you make him work in a travel agency when there's no chance of him being able to travel anywhere? Why wouldn't you have created some alien universe that would have been really fascinating and got the kid from when he was about, I don't know, 10 or something, and suddenly he's like living with aliens or something? And I just, I hate that fucking movie. <laughs> so there, I've vented now. I feel much better. Thank and you. we've shared. So what did you, so what did you think <laughs> of... And um, Ed, Ed TV. It was better than the so, Truman Show. Oh, that's what I thought you were going to say. Okay. Because that came out the same the time, didn't it? The remake of The Man, the remake of The Wicker Man was better than The Truman Show. Oh, right. Ooh. Okay. Right. We're, we're, we're getting on to dodgy ground here. So, back to the cars that ate Paris. At least it was funny. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Now, obviously, this is, you know, um, this, the cars that ate Paris is a film sort of, no, I suppose, for start in the Australian sort of uh, car movie. Um, and given it, the yeah. Sort well, of... it was it was 1974, so Australians still sort of spoke like, "G'day, mate, how you doing? Yeah, going down to the pub." That's how <laughs> a lot of people think Australians sound, but we don't. But we did back then because obviously British colony and mm. the the sound of old. But yeah, 1974. Uh, it's it's a remote country town, and yes. it's fucking crazy. Why you live there, I don't know. I and mean... how ugly are people. Uh, I've got to say, it's, it's like not a pretty cast. City. It's not a pretty cast. Oh, my, oh my God. And I don't know where he found those people, but he must have gone to the ugly farm. Well, I mean, like Paul just said, that you know, John Millian uh, is in this, and he's probably the most recognised oh, in wonderful. terms of international. And he's quite scary in this. I find him really quite, I find him quite disconcerting. Um, it's, a quick, it's that sort of, you know what's within the person, but they seem very, very normal. Yes. Very, you know, because he's the, we should say he's the mayor of this town. And basically, people that are driving past the town or coming into the town, the townspeople in, we should say the town's called Paris, right? This yes. is Paris, Australia, not Paris, France. Um, and the, the, they set it up that the cars all crash. And it starts off really weird, doesn't it? You think it's an Alpine cigarettes commercial. Yeah. And it's just. Uh, well, that's the re- and obviously I couldn't, you know, it was quite difficult to get a copy, and I sort of managed to find uh, a copy on YouTube. Um, and I thought, it, has the film started? Is this an advert? Is this... And that Fine. sort of feeling of what the fuck is going on, uh, <laughs> I'm really uncomfortable watching this because I don't know what's happening. Um, 
feeling. But sort that's of... why I liked it. It's that that not knowing, you know, and then, and then they there's this beautiful couple, you know, and they're smoking alpine cigarettes, and then of course <laughs> um, they're they're made. To, and do you notice every time there's a crash, all those lights come on to make them crash? It's like a lion. Yes. Or it's like this sort of sound effect. Yeah. It's, it's, it gets used again. I think they used it in Mad Max or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's you're not too sure what's going on, and it turns out that you know the the, the townspeople of Paris arrange fatal accidents to the visitors driving through. <laughs> townspeople all collect the items of the luggage of the deceased passengers, while the survivors are taken to a local hospital where they're given lobotomies <laughs> with power tools and kept as veggies for medical experiments by the earnest town surgeon. Uh, the young men of the town salvage, salvage and modify the wrecked vehicles into a variety of strange-looking cars designed for destruction. I, so, yeah. <laughs> on, on, <laughs> I, there are very few films um, that I've watched. I think I think in terms of like the sort of my flabber has never been so gasted is the <laughs> it, it is like uh, it, I still kind of had the feeling, even though it's not a sort of out there is when I watched Tetsuo um, uh, Iron Man or Body ha- uh, the Body Hammer um, those movies, those Japanese movies, uh, where it's just like, wh- why? How? What, what, what is going on? It is just, it is an insane film. Um, yeah. But it's very funny. The delivery it, of some of the lines in this film are absolutely, it's so deadpan. It is so deadpan. Um, yep. And it's that sort of, um, it's almost the Leslie Nielsen approach where, and I, lo- and I really love this point about, uh, that Leslie Nielsen said about comedy, is that the straighter you are, the funnier it is. The funnier it is. Yeah. And the delivery. Yeah, that's exactly right. And the delivery on some of these lines is just, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it is, it is a crazy, crazy film. And I'm probably going to have to go back as well at some point. Um, go back and watch it again and try and because I Same. think it's, it's something that because it's not a film for anybody who has got a short attention span um, <laughs> no, we should say it was made for $250,000 um, so you had to be particularly creative and also you mentioned John Mellion you know he's acting great here in Australia like he's passed on now but he is held up there as one of our great he's in some of the best Australian movies that have ever been made mm. um, we also got Chris Haywood as Daryl one yeah. of the youths so the youths are sort of you've got these really older people and you've got they're not really youths they all look like they're about 28 29 um so he's one of them he's also the orderly at the the hospital and also Bruce Spence now Bruce Spence plays the dimwit uh Charlie in it he actually shoots the priest <laughs> um blows his head off actually yes he does yes and, <laughs> if you if you know your Mad Max movies, you'll know Bruce Spence from Mad Max Two and Mad Max Three as yes. the crazy gyro chopper, yes, uh, chopper guy. Did mm. anyone get a Kevin Bacon vibe from him in yes. this movie? Yes, I yes. thought at one stage yes. I thought he looked like <laughs> Kevin Bacon. There are certain angles that he does he, he does resemble the Bake. Yes, um, <laughs> like I said. I just sort of sat there watching, and my wife walked in at one moment when I was watching it, and she sort of. Uh, my wife has this amazing ability to really sum some films up very, very quickly, and she walked in and saw this and went, "Hmm," and then left. <laughs> <laughs> See, my partner did the same. I was watching it, 
And he walked through the the living room and I said, you know you're going to have to make some animated GIFs for us because Colonel Kickhead is who makes our retro cinema GIFs, yes. really beautiful animated GIFs. They're, they're stunning. Um, and he's going to make some GIFs for this podcast. And I said, you're going to have to so make much. some GIFs for this. And he went, that, that, he said, that looks batshit crazy. It's, and I said, there you go, movie review, batshit crazy. I think I, 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 you know, I do quite enjoy giving films a score. Um, I do like sort of <laughs> how how the how? fuck do you score the cars that they pass? right? Oh, I know, I know how you do it. Come I on. give it a spiky V dub out of ten. <laughs> yes, I think it, you know. I think um, yes, for a spiky V dub uh, out of ten, I would probably give this a, a six spiky V dub. Um, it's just, it's just, uh, well. Like you said, I'm lo- I am totally lost for words on this one. However, well, I, have to, I have to rewatch it. Clearly, I fell asleep. You, you, so, you so need to watch it. Look, um, yeah, it's yeah. Give it a rewatch. I'm going to give it a rewatch. Yes. Um, Colonel Colonel sent it through to you, didn't he, Paul? Did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I downloaded it. So I started watching it, and I think after you know what, I think after watching six hours of movies before <laughs> it, it, yeah. it took it. It took its toll. And you know what? I probably should have watched that instead of the Kerry remake. Well, do you know probably what? Would have been <laughs> I can wasting two hours of my life on that one. I do think I need to give a warning uh, with this uh, with this film. I think if uh, you have taken any mind altering chemicals, or you were under the <laughs> I influ- wish I had. <laughs> you were under the influence of anything else. You potentially could be driven to those things <laughs> watching this film. Imagine watching this on acid. G- I wouldn't know. Not, not that I've not that I've ever done any dr- drugs or anything, um, but I'm just presuming. Um, yeah, imagine watching off, this on off. acid; you'd be freaking out. It is an insane, insane film, and I think it's one of those things that needs to be watched at least once in your life. Um, I'm going to go back because I'm a glutton for punishment and try and make out, you know, find out what the what the hell was going on with this. Um, but um, you know what, this would be a good double feature with. What's that? The Cars That Ate Paris and David Cronenberg's Crash. Oh. <laughs> so you've got one where they like having car crashes and they like stealing people and lobotomizing them. Yes. The other one, they like car crashes and having sex. Yes. So... Or triple feature, <laughs> rubber. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yes. Perfect. Yes. And, you... then to, and then to top top all of those, I've watched, watched the... Most recent Mad Max Fury Road because that's that's oh. close to a ten out of ten that film. That is oh, uh, oh. brilliant masterpiece. It's it's relentless. That film is relentless. Yeah. Um, I've, I've I've watched that about twelve times already, uh, and that and Deadpool. Well, I've got to say, since you brought that up and I was going to bring it up, I think that's a definite another show that you guys have to come back on for. Is Mad Max, yes, Fury Road. Fury Road, yes. We'll have oh, to come yeah, back. definitely. And, uh, I, saw yeah. I saw that in Bulgaria. <laughs> so, I, really? I, I, yeah, I walked down a highway to the local cinema because uh, <laughs> it, rele- it, was, it was released uh, yeah. when I was traveling through Eastern Europe. And all I'd been seeing on Twitter and stuff as I was traveling and on Facebook from all my friends is how great Mad Max Fury Road was. So I literally walked down the highway to get to this local shopping center that had uh, IMAX cinema. Right. And I watched, I watched Mad Max Fury Road with subtitles. Now I got to be honest with you, this, that, that sounds like the opening gambit of some kind of found footage film. 
Uh, oh yeah, an I'm Australian backpacker in died. Bulgaria, had, <laughs> you know, walks down the highway in order to go see his favorite film. I'm, I'm and, thinking Hostel. Anyone yeah. else? <laughs> see, Hostel has not done an awful lot for Eastern Europeans, has it? They're sort of, you know, I'm deeply no. suspicious whenever you know you hear somebody going backpacking and they go, "Oh, where are you going backpacking?" And they go, "Oh, you know, I don't know, Czechoslovakia." And you just think, "Whoa, hang on now." Whoa, whoa, whoa. You need yeah, contact you, numbers? Ukraine and, yeah, 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 yeah. That ain't happening. That ain't happening. <laughs> it's, it's the same thing as, like, Wolf Creek in Australia. Like, I'm pretty sure the tourism, like, the tourism board had trouble for Australia <laughs> when uh, the original Wolf Creek came out. Yeah. Because I remember working with a bunch of backpack, like, English backpackers who went and seen it. Yeah. And they were like, does this really happen? And I was like, well, yeah, it's based on, or semi-based on Ivan Malat, who yes. went out and murdered a bunch of people. So, like... Yeah, or backpackers um, too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, the biggest fear that you do have when you come to Wales is being sung at, uh, or somebody, <laughs> you know, or trying to pronounce certain place names like Llanfair, um, Pwllcwngith, Gwgeir, Ellyn, Robert, Santa Cecilia, Go, 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 Go. You know. Oh my God, you can say it. Well done. Oh God. I, I watched an interview just the other day with, um, you know, the actors Luke Evans and Taryn Edgerton from yes. Kingsman. Yes. Yeah, they're both they're both on I think Jonathan Ross show or something like that. And they're, and they're both talking like about the Welsh names and how hard it is to pronounce. Working in the UK and having to listen to like Welsh people give me their addresses, <laughs> I had to... I had to get them to spell it out for me or just give me the postcodes well, because I had no idea what they were talking about. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, it, it, it makes me laugh when you hear sort of, um, you know, uh, people I know have got names like uh, Esselt or Gorthaidag, uh, or Bidag, or those type of names, and you just think... Oh, it's oh, a beautiful language. It, God help somebody who's got, you know, was at a call centre on the other side of the world having to spell that. It's just... <laughs> 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 or, you know, the other joy of being in Wales is when people give directions, and they say oh, things... God. When they give you directions, they go, right, what are you going to do, Bert? Right, you go down the road, right? And then you take a left, right? And then you go left, right? And so everybody keeps going around in circles because right. all they keep giving you is, you know, they add right at the end of everything just to sort of punctuate the sentence. Anyway, before I have my uh, my Welsh card revoked. Um... <laughs> you're allowed to tease yourself. You're allowed to tease your own country. In fact, you're allowed to tease anyone and everyone needs to relax. They do a little bit, yes. First yeah. of all, guys, I want to say thank you so much for being on. It has been an absolute blast. Um you definitely have got to come back uh, because we've definitely got to do... I couldn't think of anybody else I could record a Mad Max Fury Road episode with. Um, I, you know, honestly... But please, I'd love to do that. It's, we'll, uh, I love so that so much. We will definitely do that. I love it. I know that. it off my heart. We will definitely do that. Um, so, guys, uh, as always, uh, Gidge, if you want to go first, make sure you can remind our listeners where they can find you. Um, so, plug away, please. Okay, hopefully everyone, all your listeners haven't found me too annoying. I find it very hard to shut up. But we are at the Retro Cinema podcast. We do, as I said, we do 80s movies we loved back then when we were teenagers in the 80s and we still love now. And we're actually up to our 51st podcast wow. so that the last one was lady hall but um yeah you can you can check us out directly at our website at the retro uh you can find us on itunes stitcher and if on go you can use the tune in app on your phone or tablet uh so come and come and give us a listen because we only do movies we love so it's very all very positive <laughs> and paul where can they find you my man 
Yeah, at Schlock Horror on Twitter, and the blog is www.schlockhorror.com. Fabulous. And I will make sure that all your links, guys, and all where they can find you, wonderful, wonderful people, uh, are in the show notes. So, guys. Oh, thanks, Hugh. It's thank been such so an honor. Much, and honestly. you are such a lovely guy. And, and love, love, love your podcast. I, I can't get enough of it. Oh, so thank you very much. Uh, do, it, do it once a week, not fortnightly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I always say on the, you know, on the show that it's a, you know, a fortnightly-ish. Um, because, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we do send, and because we got a back catalogue, because we weren't on iTunes originally, so we were posting um, some of the sort of, uh, some of the older episodes as well going up. Um and obviously, you know, there's. I love doing this, um, and it's great to have, you know, to, to, to talk film with you guys. And um, honestly, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. I really, really appreciate it. So, uh, oh, thank you so yeah, much. No, thank, thank you, you very you much for bringing us back. No, I Paul, any time. It's an open and to both you guys. Uh, it's an open invite. Uh, so please feel free. So, thank you. Um, Go, Paul. Oh, sorry, should I just should I just bring up one last thing? Come because, on then. Um, Come on then. I just I just wanted to bring up one thing where me and Gidge were talking about it. It's it's in relation to Kerry. Yeah. Um. I I said I didn't know if I wanted to bring it up. Obviously, because it's a bit of a um dirty, uh bit of I guess it's a dirty question. But um, there's a scene in Kerry when um Nancy Allen is giving John Travolta head. Yes. And me and um me and Gidge had a laugh about it. And we're just saying, we both wrote this piece of trivia down as well. How is she speaking with a mouthful of cock? She's a very talented girl. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I didn't know if that was appropriate or not for the blog. I may may have to make that my sign off. How does she talk with a mouthful of cock? (laughs) (laughs) I had to bring that, sorry. That's fantastic. I can just imagine them all sat in the editing room going, "Um, she's got lines. Oh God, we're gonna to have to do some ADR. But but how's that gonna? Shh! Don't question it. Just don't question. It. Just let it they go. Did, they let didn't. Go. They didn't want to do the sloshy sound. And on that guttural note, <laughs> Gidge, Paul, thank you ever so much. It's been an absolute uh, pleasure. Take care now. Thanks, you. Love you. Ciao, okay. guys. And so, as our time draws to an end here at the Undead Wookie Podcast. Uh, I want to say a big thank you to Paul and to Gidget uh, for being on. Um, brilliant guys to have you on. Like I said, it's an open invitation. So anytime that uh, you want to come back, uh, come back on. Um, I've, uh, as always, I've got a couple of shout outs that I want to give. Um, I want to give a big shout out to my man Blake at Spivey Point. Uh, again, guys, get yourselves over to his account and follow. Um, a great, great guy. Always entertaining on Twitter. Um, of course, my man CJ over at VHS Revival. Uh, get yourselves over to um, Pulp Culture as well. Uh, Pulp Culture is a great Twitter feed. Um, uh, yeah, so get yourselves over there. And of course, I want to give a big shout out to Peter ja- uh, <laughs> Daryl and Joel over at uh, Retro Movie Geek. Uh, guys, honestly, the, the Spooky Flicks Fest uh, is probably just wrapping up now by the time this episode comes out. Uh, but I have nearly wet myself laughing listening to their reviews of Killer Doll movies. Great, 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 great show. And lovely gentlemen. Uh, and I do appear on their Trilogy of Terror episode. Uh, also, I want to give a big shout out to Dr. Shock Dave Becker, to Josh Legary, and to Jay of the Dead over at the Horror Movie Cast. Uh, guys, uh, brilliant, brilliant show. Get yourselves over on there. And of course, uh, Greg Amortius uh, is back 
with his Land of the Creeps. Um, and you can find Dr. Shock over there, and you can find Jesse Robbins and Haddonfield Hatchet. It's a great show. Get yourselves over and uh, get yourselves listening to that. Um, and, of course, anybody else who has tweeted, retweeted, a big shout-out to... Uh, Jeff and Al over at Cadavercast, fantastic father and son team. Um, brilliant, brilliant show. Get yourselves over and uh, and uh, listen to that show. It, it, it's brilliant. I absolutely loved it. Uh, Al's uh, monster lecture this time round was on werewolves, uh, honestly, and they also review uh, Monster Squad. Um, and I can't wait to have uh, I think next time uh, we're going to have both of them on the show very, very soon. So look out for that episode. Um as always, I want to say thank you to everybody who has tweeted, who has left a review on our iTunes uh, feed. Please, guys, uh, leave us some five-star reviews so we can uh, get the show out there and bring more listeners in. Um, you can follow us on YouTube. Uh, not going to be not as active on there at the minute because I'm going to be changing the format up a little bit very, very soon. Uh, of course, you can find us on iTunes. You can find us at YouTube. You can find us on SoundCloud. Um, you can follow the show at uh, The Undead Wookiee on Twitter. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook at the Undead Wookiee Facebook page and also at the Undead Wookiee 1980 uh, on uh, Instagram. So please, guys, follow. Uh, I do my best to follow back and I always try to interact with as many people as possible. But uh, as always, I am humbled and I am touched uh, by the fact that you do get involved with the show. So thank you very, very much. And so now... Our time comes to an end on this episode. So there's all that's left for me to say in the immortal words of Count Dracula. Good night out there. Whatever you are. <laughs> This is our from Cadavercast. You've been listening to Thunder Wookie. The back.